I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. Welcome to the last ever Hilo with Dolly Alderton and Pandora Sykes. We are recording socially distanced IRL, which we haven't done since this time last year. No, so I haven't seen DJ CJ since this time last year. And we have a veritable buffet of all the Hilo's favourite things. We've got margaritas, we've got the co-op salt and vinegar crisps. We've got M&S goodie bags stuffed with prawn sandwiches. Thank you very much, M&S. Thank you, M&S. I ate that at 11.14am. <laughs> We'd been up for a very long time, so it did feel like lunch, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Dolly, I want to begin this episode in the way I know you love the most, so it seems fitting that this is the way we begin the last episode, with two very important animal dispatches for you. I'm so pleased you said that. First, I have a very important dispatch from London Zoo. The penguins have been getting quite lonely Aww. because no one's been to visit them. So they've been watching Christmas movies. Have they? They've what watched, have they been watching? They've watched Elf. Um, they've, they've apparently watched Home Alone, but I don't know if I've made that up. Because <laughs> they are Home Alone. have to say, I, I continue to find London Zoo just a very random thing. When I go for my little run around Regent's Park, I'm like, there shouldn't be a giraffe here, should mm. there? Just hanging out in Camden? Why? Yeah. It doesn't feel right. I don't think you're alone in anything. <laughs> I think it's a whole campaign, isn't it? Yeah, there? I think there might be some other thoughts <laughs> on the ethics of this. I just find it very weird. Well, at least they've got some Christmas movies yeah. to, che- to cheer up that existence. Oh, bless them. My other animal dispatch for you is about the wombat. And quote-unquote, it's versatile bottom. <laughs> do you wish you had a versatile bottom? Yes, I do. Okay, well... You can't ever beat the wombat on that count. The wombat's backside is an impressively sturdy thing. I read this in the week, 21st of November issue, for anyone interested. It has a range of uses. They dig with their bums. They also use them for defence. As cubs, they learn to back into predators. And, most interestingly, their bums are the right size to plug a burrow to stop unwanted guests entering. So they just have to sit on it? Well, I guess it would be just if you open the front door and your bum just filled it to capacity. (laughs) Also, I love that this is in our final episode because it brings everything full circle. As we will hear in the medleys that CJ and I have lovingly curated, it always comes back to arses with you. You're arse fixated. Always have been, always will be. Sure, there's like a Latin word for that. Anyway, the fourth thing the wombat does with its bottom. A female will go and bite the bum of a male and then run off and he has to chase her. Sexy. Cute. Yeah. Probably quite normal, actually, for animals. Yeah. I like that. Before we get into the meat of this nostalgia fest, 
A huge thank you to everyone who has booked tickets to our live Christmas show next Tuesday, brought to you on Vimeo, produced by Fame Productions and made possible by our wonderful sponsor, Method, whose pink grapefruit spray we keep talking about, and I'll tell you why, it's bloody brilliant. I fumigated my house with this stuff. It's lush. We've... (laughs) We've sold over 5,000 tickets so far and we are well on our way to surpassing our fundraising target for Blood Cancer UK and I can't express how much that means to Pandora and I. So thank you, thank you, thank you. For anyone who still wants to book, please do. Tickets start at just £10 and all proceeds go to Blood Cancer UK in memory of a very special little boy, Enzo Saunt, and an inspirational young woman, Florence Kleiner. The link is fame.co.uk forward slash high hyphen low. The link is in our show notes and all our social media bios. We cannot wait to not see some of you there. And for anyone asking, it is available internationally and it will be online for 48 hours after you book it. So don't worry if you can't watch it live. And also me saying I can't wait to not see any of you isn't like a horrible dig at the people not coming. (laughs) It's because clearly we are live just to ourselves. And Vimeo. (laughs) We've had loads of people asking us some of our favourite conversational podcasts. So to pay it forward, we thought we'd give a little roundup of of them here. I mean, we've spoken pretty extensively about podcasts over the last four years. So if you go back through our show notes, there will be lots of podcast recommendations there. But Pandora and I are particularly invested in female helmed podcasts. So we'll keep our eyes and ears out for more and we will always post about them on social media. And we also really look forward to seeing other ones that are going to come in the future as well. I feel like we were very lucky in that we started our podcast in the kind of podcast world infancy. And people are so much more savvy now about what podcasts are, how you make them, how you monetize them, how you advertise them, how you create them, what the gaps in the market are. So Pandora and I are always going to be really committed to uh finding out about those shows and celebrating them as much as possible. Question for you. Do you think we started the high in podcasting's infancy or do you think we had just never listened to a podcast before? <laughs> because I know which I know which I'd say about myself. As I said it, I was like, this is a pretty bold claim from me. Is it infancy? Because I listen to Mark Maron still. And he's like, hey, podcasts, it's number 3053. <laughs> Good to talk to you. And I'm like, maybe, maybe this was happening way before, way before we discovered it. Joe Rogan's on like 2000, isn't he? Oh, Joe Rogan's on his million. You're going to miss your rivalry, (laughs) your non-existent (laughs) rivalry with Joe Rogan. (laughs) So just off the top of my head, podcast that I love, fortunately presented by Fee Glover and Jane Garvey. It's the one that I listen to the minute that it drops every week on a Friday. Fresh Air presented by Terry Gross. Brilliant, brilliant interviews. You can also listen to the archive online. Sentimental Garbage, presented by Caroline O'Donoghue, who analyses chiclet and culture that's otherwise not taken as seriously as perhaps it should be with very, very, very clever and brilliant guests. Awards Chatter by The Hollywood Reporter. You are not going to find a list of interviewees that are more starry and have better access than that podcast. It's also great for anyone interested in screenwriting or cinema and literary friction presented by Carrie Plitt and Octavia Bright. It's my favourite books podcast. 
for girl on girl chatter sounds a bit fruity sometimes is i love brown girls do it too but why are there only eight episodes why 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 when it's so magical i also love the receipts which is extremely honest and fun and energetic and i enjoy shameless hosted by two australian journalists and they have multiple different podcast streams so there's basically always a new one to listen to and i think they speak even faster than us so if you <laughs> like listening to podcasts that sound like they're on double speed but aren't then this one is for you i think that we should share our last ever recommendations panda i'm really going to miss this bit and for people who have been asking um I'm definitely going to keep on sharing books and article recommendations in my Instagram. Might have to start Animal Stories. That never quite migrated off the high low to my other platforms, but I might start. Let's try. Let's try pivoting it. And will you keep sharing the things you love with me? Because Yes, of course. I mean, look, this is the high low effect. <gasps> oh, you're going to love it. Pandora's got a very battered old paperback copy of the Rachel Papers, which is... What I told her should be her entry-level Martin Amos. I bought it off eBay and guess how much it's going to make you cry? Guess how much the price is on the back? Oh, it's like one shilling or something. Two guineas. 60p. Oh, my God. <laughs> I do remember when books were 3 99 Yeah. Tell you what, show my age every single time I buy a packet of fags these days. Went into the newsagents recently. Did what I always do to the young man behind the counter and they always just look so mortified on my behalf. Where I was charged, you know, 15 quid for 20 camel blues. And I said, you might not believe this, but <laughs> I remember a day when I would get 10 Mayfairs for 2 99 Didn't look bothered. I thought you were going to say that always mortified because you always say, keep the change, my good man, and slide across a tenner. <laughs> but those were the days. 60p for a dirty paperback, 2 99 for 10 Mayfairs. Is anyway. it dirty? Yes, yeah, dirty. Okay, moving on from my newly acquired filth, give me your last recommendations on the last Hilo. Have you listened to Michaela Cole on Louis Theroux? Grounded is back for another series. I saw Grounded is back. I have not listened to any of the series. Is it even you, more fabulous? You, of everyone I love, more than anyone needs to listen to it. It's such a good interview. I am fascinated by how that woman's mind works. She thinks aloud when she speaks and she really tests stuff out in a way that's quite rare to hear. She will, she'll talk about something and then she'll offer up an opinion and Louis will analyse it and then she'll go, mm, but maybe I don't believe that at all. Let's look at the other way people would disagree with me on that. Like she's, she's just so, her brain is just like 360 on everything. She's not interested in judgment. She's not interested in becoming a sage. I just love her so much and she is fascinating speaking about religion in this episode and how she broke away from the church but again is not absolute in her atheism. She talks very compassionately about the appeal of faith and what faith is like which I really admire and respect about people who break away from religion but still can stretch their imagination to understand why religion is so important for other people. She talks about the fetishization of race and about how the problem with racial fetishization is that you are only relating to a part of a human rather than a whole human, mm. which then begins an interesting conversation where Louis suggests, well, 
do we have to be diverse or do we have to be inclusive with something as raw as our sexual desires? Should it be, you know, should he, right. he rather flippantly says, well, what would happen if there was a monitor who came into your bedroom and looked at all your past lovers and said, well, you've only had one Caucasian man, one short man, one man of this weight, one man of, you know, or you need... <laughs> How did they end up in that conversation? I think what he was saying is, is it okay to just like what you like? Like, is it okay? I mean, he offered, again, this very flippant example where he was like, what would happen if I looked at my wife's ex-lovers and they were all tall men with glasses who were white with big noses? And Michaela Cole, like, sort of entertained that for a while and then she was like, hmm... I think there is a racial element here that has to be examined that's a bit different. It's just a really explorative conversation. She's also fascinating talking about boundaries because she's obviously been well known for a while and been lauded for a while, but she's gone into stratospheric success and fame Mm. this year. And she talks about how she's coping with it. She has changed her email address. She's hired a PA and she said, I pay that PA to not tell me anything. And she said she is in a a state of artistic depression where she's mourning, grieving that project that was so important to her. And she refuses to do anything but sit in that grief. And she refuses now to think about the next project. And, and, And she doesn't have an agent at the moment. So it means she's created this sacred space for herself. Now probably like the most talked about young creative woman, Mm. probably in the world. And she decided to have a period of time where she's grieving the last project and she will not talk about other projects. She needs to, she wants to just reflect on what has happened and when she's ready to move on to something else, she'll be ready to move on to something else. She doesn't want to feel the pressure to bandwagon on some sort of capital that she's been told that she has as a trendy or relevant creator. She just has faith in her own artistic merit and integrity that it will happen when it happens. I mean, it's kind of mind-blowing to listen to. It's inspiring to hear that act of resistance, an act of confidence, an act of commitment to her artistry. The clip that I wanted to play is this amazing speech that she does in response to Louis asking her about what the kind of lessons are about consent of I May Destroy You, particularly um, the storyline that related to Kwame having sex with a straight woman and not disclosing to her that he was gay until after they've had sex. And Louis poses the question of, is that a form of deception that could be described as abuse? Or is it a form of deception that could be described as abuse? And Michaela just gives such an intelligent answer. And I think the room for wonder and the room for observation that she leaves in her work is so powerful. I think the more interesting question is, do you think that I, as a writer, am trying to say, if you don't tell someone you're gay when you have sex with them, you're a rapist? Does that sound like someone? (laughs) It's not that I'm saying, oh, it's okay, and this is good, and this is bad, because as we've discussed, I don't have those labels. What I think is really interesting is how we look at the actions of somebody else and based on our experiences, we see it a certain way and depending on our trauma, we deem the person bad, good, right, wrong. If we look at that really complex scene, which I just love so much, 
there's a lot going on. You know, Kwame didn't want to have sex with her. I don't know how much Nilofar at that moment saw Kwame as a human. I wonder if she saw him more as black dick that she really wanted and couldn't see his feelings. It's written into the script that he cowers away and says, I don't know if, and she pulls him down. Now, what does that look like? You know, this is another grey area. And I think depending on where we are with our trauma, you may watch that piece of fiction and say, but there's nothing wrong with, with not saying that you're gay. You don't need to say you're gay. No one's even saying that you need to say. No one is saying anything. So it's interesting for me how we respond and how we're triggered instead of just sitting with it. Because that's what Arabella does. She doesn't sit with it. You know, she automatically says what you've done is rape. You didn't tell her something the same way that whoever raped me didn't tell me that they were putting something in my drink. And I'm using all of her experiences to attack Kwame in the way that she does. She can't see that he's broken. It's so complex. For me, I love that sequence because actually when you really watch it and you just sit down and stop using your gut reaction, you realise you don't have an easy opinion. There isn't any right or wrong. The writer isn't trying to be right or wrong or say what's good and bad. All you can do is sit there and look at the mess of how we communicate. Look at how wrong it's all gone. Look at how we struggle to really read each other and listen. It's so complex. I also loved Billy Crystal on Awards Chatter. He is one of my favourite comic actors. He is the star of my favourite film of all time, When Harry Met Sally. It's a great conversation. He talks about his beginnings as a comedian, working out his comedy stylings. He uses this phrase that I can't stop thinking about that he had to learn as a comedian to always leave a tip for the audience, like a little extra, something for them to enjoy. And he said what that extra normally is, is something personal, something intimate, and how important it is to have that kind of sense of soul, personal soul in your work, just a little tip for everyone. And he also talks about When Harry Met Sally, how that dialogue was created, how Nora Ephron and Rob Reiner... Uh, used their conversations about the differences between men and women to inform the conversations between Harry and Sally. And he also talks about that infamous orgasm scene. We were talking about uh, faking orgasms. Nora mentioned it, and and one of the other producers, Andy Sharman, mentioned it. Well, you know, the phenomenon of women faking orgasms. And Rob went, wait a second. No one has faked one with me. I guarantee you that. <laughs> And she goes, how do you know? He says, because I know. And so now already you can hear this dialogue ended up in the, in the scene. So mm-hmm. Meg says, I should have an orgasm. And I went, now? She said, no. <laughs> I said, yes, you should. Oh, that'd be hilarious. You do one in like a public place. It should be like in a restaurant, a crowded restaurant. And everyone watches you do it. And now we're all laughing hysterically. And she said, yeah, I'll go crazy. And I said, then we'll cut to an older woman and she'll say, I'll have what she's having. And that's how it happened. I also just wanted to include something that really moved me this week, which is Farley sent it to me and it's doing the rounds on WhatsApp. And it is from someone, 
I don't know who the original source is, who decided this year not to send Christmas cards and instead do something much more personal for the people that they love and something obviously better for the environment. is my favourite genre of comedy. I didn't know it no, was a genre. No, terrible flute you're quite fond of Terrible, well. actually, that is flute, yeah. Is that a flute? Yeah, that's flute. She's murdering that. It sounds I like know. a piccolo. If you're the original composer of that message and indeed the performer of that incredibly moving rendition of Ave Maria, get in touch. You should have really, actually, um, made a song, created a song for the Hilo. And then and then played it on your guitar. I did think about doing that. You've had so much free time. Pandora and I days. had some very big ideas about this last episode. A lot of which have hey made now. it in. Hey now. Most of which have made it in. But there's lots on my on my draft iPhone notes that didn't make it in. One of them was that I would write a song about the high low and play us out with it. But you know, life took over. Well, I meant to uh, write a limerick about you, but actually that will take me about two minutes versus the hours it might take to craft a guitar. So <laughs> I am going to make up some limericks for, because of course this is not the last of the Hilo. It's, it's the last podcast. The last of the Hilo. So if you would like to hear my limerick about Dolly, buy a ticket to the Hilo Christmas special. There we go. Next Tuesday. It's all for charity. Girlfriend's a hustler. Now you are going to laugh when I tell you what I've been playing this week. Tell me. I actually want to play it with you because I don't think it just has to be for couples. I think it could work in friendships and sibling relationships as well, just as long as you don't play the erotic cards. So I have been playing Connect, which is a card game from the School of Life. Oh, yeah. And it's for couples to remember what they mean to one another. Love that. There are 100 cards. Um, I don't normally play this kind of thing. And my husband was so disparaging about it. He really shat all over it. Until we actually sat down and played it, we actually had the best proper meandering conversation we've had in months. Really? I think as anyone with young kids, pandemic or otherwise, I would say with young kids, you don't tend to have like those really great sprawling conversations in the evening. So you're a bit knackered by the end. And so sometimes you just think, like, when's the last time we had a really decent conversation? And I loved this card game. It just, we just... Yeah, we just had such good chats. I think it's a really... There are so many tacky couples games out there that come with, like, body paint and stuff. And I think it's really fun. I don't think it could go drastically wrong. I don't think it's like... What's that card game, that really offensive card game? Cards Against Humanity. Have you ever played that? Charlie's nodding. Looks like he might have some tales to tell. It's a really, really offensive card game. It is not like... It's not like the couple's version of Cards Against Humanity humanity i thought that it was really dorky like warhammer that one no i think it's really i think it's really tasteless isn't it cj yeah the jimmy savile card is kind of the oh trigger, god the trump card right i haven't actually looked at it for several years i suspect it's fares even worse in 2020 than it did when i last played it in mm. 2016 anyway school of life's connect game i'm sure lots of you will be very rude about it give it a go no parlor game your sex life just one more thing from the School of Life that I really wanted to flag because I'm so unbelievably charmed by it. And the best thing about you being back with me in person is I can show it to you like a show and tell. Um, 
they have just released a book for children called An Introduction to Philosophy, Big Ideas for Curious Minds. And it's all of those big, weighty, philosophical ideals, um, but distilled into like the most basic human practices, which is what philosophy was meant to be. Yeah. And it's lessons that kids can understand. The illustrations are just beautiful. Oh, that's so lovely. Did you get this from the School of Life online shop? Yeah, this is just out now at the School of Life. And there's all these little chapters on why you might just be tired and how that can make you feel sad. Why adults don't know everything, even though as a kid it feels like they should. Uh, What being normal is. How to cope with someone else's anger. I think it's such a wonderful approach to... I've seen more and more of these kind of how to deal with your emotions books aimed at kids. Which I think are so helpful we never had those when we were when I was growing up in the 1950s it was all just you know belt and braces um but I also love the I love the way as well it's got philosophy in it rather than making it something big and lofty it's taking Mm. out those best bits for children and I genuinely can't wait till my children are old enough to read it and it's such a good Christmas present for anyone who has younger siblings kids godchildren that's a great tip I am loving Barack Obama's autobiography, A Promised Land. Oh, I really want to get stuck into that, but it's like three million pages long. <laughs> it's, a, it's not a Hilary Mantel, but it is, it's like 500 pages. It is an absolute doorstop. And reading it in bed, it fell on my nose last night and actually made me cry. <laughs> like, literally, I'm surprised I not have a bump on it. It's actually spread over two books. I know, because it only goes up to Bin Laden's death, doesn't it? I actually don't know. Oh, sorry. Spoiler! <laughs> What spoiler that he does no. Um But it, given that he wrote this kind of on the hoof of doing other stuff, mm. I just, it really, it just absolutely blows me away when someone writes something like alongside something else and their main profession's not a writer. Yeah. And they're so good at it. Yeah. He's a born writer, like Michelle. And it's actually really nice to read his account, having read Becoming, which was obviously wildly successful. I think yeah. it was the most it was the most successful non-fiction book of last year. It sold millions becoming. It's not remotely dry, as you imagine many political biographies to be. He's got a very light, funny tone. In fact, the whole time I was reading, all I could think of is my number one clip of 2020. It's what I do. I haven't seen that. You haven't seen when Obama, when he's on Biden's tour. See, his tour campaign trail. Yeah. And... From, like, the other end of the basketball court, he throws one into the net. That's what I do! Here's a little screenshot I thought you might enjoy. I've only read about 100 pages. Oh my God, my phone's doing that annoying thing where... You only need to read 100 pages, then you can say you've read it. As long as you have three quotes that you can pull out in social situations. You've read the Obama book. You've read it. Dolly, this is so not the... The lasting message of the heart. I would like to say that when I say I've read a book, I have She's read, read a 50 book. Pages. No, Pandora. Tar me with your it's brush. Ending. It's ending, mate. We can just we can say it now. Dolly, have you ever done an author special and not read the book? <laughs> now, that is bad form. Okay, so here's a here's a quote. This is um, him at university. Looking back, it's embarrassing to recognise the degree to which my intellectual curiosity those first two years of college paralleled the interests of various women I was attempting to get to know. Marx and Marcuse, so I had something to say to the long-legged socialist who lived in my dorm. 
Fanon and Gwendolyn Brooks for the smooth-skinned sociology major who never gave me a second look. Foucault and Wolfe for the ethereal bisexual who wore mostly black. As a strategy for picking up girls, my pseudo-intellectualism proved mostly worthless. I found myself in a series of affectionate but chaste friendships. I love that. And do you know what? I saw that doing the rounds on Instagram, I think. What that bit did? Yeah, because people were getting their fucking ninnies in a twist about it. Why? Oh, oh no. Am I, have I been problematic? No, you haven't. You haven't. That's him being human. That's him being a dorky, desperate, hormone fueled young person. <laughs> As we all were. I love that that's, you know, that's the magic of Obama, that he is human in that way. But I think some people thought it was lecherous or something. It just reminded me of being young and being desperately malleable in the hope that yes, you can exactly. parcel yourself up as something you're not. Totally. It's so human. It's so universal. I love that extract. And I will read the whole book. And I was joking. You do have to read the 800 pages. That's 500. I also wanted to recommend the most gorgeous sylph-like book that I just bought a bunch of copies of for friends for Christmas. It's called Tiny Lungs by Joanna Bennett and they are poems about new motherhood but also just everyday moments of life and the ups and downs of that life. There are a few I wanted to read to you, Doll, that I thought you'd particularly enjoy. They're just really simple and lovely poems. This one's called Heraeth. Every day at six, eyes searching the ceiling, I get this malaise, a fleeting feeling. I speak with myself. It'll pass by quick, and I realise then it's like I'm homesick. It's not for a place or a certain time, more a yearn for what was, a midnight chime. I long to return to a certain land, a place where it's warm, where I can hold a hand, a place where my father can hold my baby, somewhere soon, eyes closed, maybe. That'll be very resonant for lots of people, I think. And then here's one other little one written when she was pregnant called Colonel. Your essence, she said, is inside like a kernel, soft, safe from harm, full of hope, vernal. Despite outside forces, the daily grind, a toasting, it can endure a lot, a wisecrack, a roasting. A pulse, a heart, it keeps on glowing, cheering you on, the roar keeps growing. So when it's very dark, listen hard, use your gut, you're stronger than you know, keep going, little nut. That's so lovely. Also, that's such a nice idea for a present for an expectant mother. It's really lovely. Tiny Lungs, it's published by tatterhood.co.uk. And the last thing I loved is Mangrove, which is the second of Steve McQueen's five-part film series, Small Acts, for the BBC. And it's about the Mangrove Nine case from 1970, which is when a group of black British activists were tried with incitement to riot after demonstrating against police harassment of the Mangrove restaurant in Notting Hill. So during the 1960s, West London's Caribbean community grew alongside this barely simmering, more like very much present racial tension. The first Notting Hill Carnival took place in 1996. And in 1968, the Trinidadian-born Frank Critchlow opened a Caribbean restaurant on All Saints Road in Notting Hill called Mangrove that went on to become a meeting spot for the Black Panthers fighting racial injustice. And it was visited by celebrities such as Jimi Hendrix and Nina Simone. Uh, But it was constantly targeted by police for... Very tenuous mm. reasons, you know. Mm. It was it was very clear that there was um, racism at play in mm. in how often the police patronised Mangrove, and this led to the demonstration against police harassment and the Mangrove Nine being charged. 
And this was the first time that racial hatred was acknowledged in a British court of law. And when the activist won the case, it paved the way for the Race Relations Act of 1976. It's a really passionate and purposeful film, but it's so much more than just the history I've recounted there. It's such a joy to watch. Dolly, you're going to love it. The soundtrack is phenomenal. Mm. There are some stunning performances by Letitia Wright, who, in a nice twist, was in the Black Panther Hollywood superhero film in 2018 and now plays the Black Panther, right. the activist. And Rochelle Sandal as well is completely brilliant. Um, and I can't wait to watch the rest. I can't believe he's made a five-part movie series for the BBC. He's I just know. prolific, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. So I think you are absolutely love that. I've heard nothing but amazing things. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Should we go back to the uh, beginning of the high now? Let's go back to the very beginning. Let's cast our minds back to 2016. You know I have no memory, so I don't remember any of it. Well, luckily for you, I'm obsessed with memory. <laughs> you are. I'm obsessed with memory in all forms. Dolly was like, what are your favourite episodes? And I was like, last week, so I loved last week. <laughs> <laughs> so what are your first memories? Okay, so let's go actually way, way back. So pre-Hilo, what is your first ever memory of you and I coming into contact? Um... So you have a different memory to me, I think, because you remember me commissioning you to write, like, tall lady fashion features for the debrief, yep. which was a website. It was like Grazia's Little Sister website that I was churning out stories loosely termed fashion stories. But it was I, great. You were an editor there. It was a great website. But I remember my first memory of you is when we were set up on a friend date. We were there for, like, four hours so I don't even remember. I changed my email address, I think, about four years ago because I'd had the same email address for 15 years and it took, like, three minutes to load a page. So I don't have... Do you have the first email? I went to digging last night <laughs> when I was a few glasses of red to the good. Let me find... Okay, so our first ever evidence. So the first ever evidence of our friendship... Oh, my God. July 2014. Subject, wear peddling. <laughs> Hello, Pandora. How are you? Oh, I should just say as well, I definitely knew who you were before I started emailing you with my shit pictures. <laughs> I definitely wanted to be your friend and I read your blog religiously. Hello, Pandora. How are you? Quick email just to say, never underdressed, commissioned me to write a piece called The 12 Stages of Getting Ready for a Night Out. I'd done two of these 12 stages pieces before about mindful shopping and shopping with your mum. They're sort of sort of funny, fashiony pieces they used to do with gifts. Anyway, the day I filed, they closed. Probably my fault. So now I have the piece floating around and I was wondering if you'd be interested in it. We'll send for you to have a look if so. D. Yes, please. You reply in capital letters. 
We'd love you to write more for Getting Ready if you've now been released from Never Underdressed. So sad. Send and we'll discuss with the editor on Monday. I'll then send it to you. Love this. Thank you. Yes to your lovely piece. Thanks so much. Have another commission for you if you're keen. Summerphobic dressing. Are you summerphobic at all? No worries if not up for it. <laughs> I said, hooray. I'm not summerphobic as such, but I do think everyone looks much sexier in winter. I think it's harder to look sexy in summer. That okay? When would you need it for? Thank you for thinking of me. Then you reply, do you think you can amp it up enough to sound summerphobic? <laughs> Don't worry if not. But we need someone who will write like eight subtitles on a Ah, I hate the summer. <laughs> Even if you don't really mean it. <laughs> oh my God, my entire my journalist. <laughs> I would need it by the end of the week of post. And I said, yes, we'll do it. Thank you. And you replied, yabba-doo. <laughs> yabba-doo. A few days later, I wrote, attached, let me know if it needs changes. You reply, this is fab. Like the anal beads bit the best. <laughs> and very true about rompers. <laughs> Why are you writing about anal beads? No idea. <laughs> then you're not going to believe this twist in our friendship. November 2014. I had... Because we still hadn't met at this point. We hadn't met. You'd gone over to the Sunday Times Style as fashion features editor. They had said to you when you arrived, we're looking for a dating columnist. Do you know of anyone? And you put me forward. You said... There's this very funny girl I used to commission who wrote about anal beads. Did I say that? At the debrief. Did I say there's a, there's a very funny... <laughs> and then I auditioned. I had to write two columns to audition. And it was like my dream gig. It's all I ever wanted was to write a, a dating column. And Style was my favourite magazine. Such a shame it never worked out. That none, of it, <laughs> that none of it ever came to anything. So I sent off these audition pieces. And then I was just on the edge of my seat for weeks. And then you sent me a Twitter DM saying, when are you free? We need to shoot you. And I replied saying, shoot, what do you mean shoot me? And then you just emailed me saying, yay, because you got the gig. So you were the one who told me. Strange that I broke that news. You said, well done, nothing less than your skills deserve. Jackie, our editor, asked me to get in touch. She's super busy and she wants me to liaise with you about shooting you and also tell you that your first column is January the 4th. So you gave me my first deadline. And Jackie would like you to file by the end of the week. For this column, it's going to be post-Christmas. So have that mentally in your mind <laughs> when writing it. Time of year, etc. Any new dating mantras for 2015? That kind of thing. Some saucy bits too. I love how out of my wheelhouse this is as well. Like, I was absolutely not your commissioning editor. Meet you soon, I hope. Then I replied, oh my God, thank you so much. I'm giddy with delight and there's no one I can scream to because I'm working from home. I'll have to get some booze from the Nisa local. Nothing about that sentence has changed in 2020. Well, far by the end of the week. Brief is totally clear. Thank you. Thank you for making my day and also for putting my name forward in the first place. It was so lovely of you. I'm really looking forward to meeting you. Have a lovely weekend. Okay, next email, February 2015. This is obviously sent the, the morning after we first met. Subject, I have eaten, email body, about 48 sandwiches, I am hungover. April 2015, this is me congratulating you on your engagement. Main thing first, congratulations you beautiful girl, tell me everything, when can we have drinks? And then I said, not important but vaguely amusing thing, don't tell Laura or Jackie I've shown you this but I'm very confused about the below email from Jackie. Is it a setup for the column or an intro to the travel editor to write a piece? And it's forwarded email from Jackie saying, Dolly, Steve, our lovely travel editor, wants to proposition you. 
it just it was such a reminder of how mental my career was that I got an email like that from my boss and I didn't know whether she meant to commission me for a travel piece <laughs> it was a travel piece July 2015 subject capital letters Dolly I feel awful just terribly terri- sick <laughs> I replied it's the night before we, I'd met Ollie for the first time I replied how long did it go on for at, at El Paseo Zenio? No idea what that is. I too feel a bit ropey and last night came home and managed to potter about doing nothing for an hour and accidentally rang my friend and left her a 15-minute voicemail while I passively, aggressively asked my housemate the whereabouts of my chilled bottle of water. <laughs> I went to bed at 1.30. Terrible idea. God, you're lovely. Then, January 2016, you email our editor Jackie... Jackie, Dolly would love to co-host a podcast for Style. We'd like to do some research and Dolly wants to draw up a proper treatment for us. So can we meet about it next Friday? So I dug out the treatment. The Style podcast, alternative names, Style in the Week, Midweek Style, Style Talk, The Style Pod. Each week, Pandora and Dolly look at four news, celebrity and zeitgeist stories and discuss them with humour, their sometimes matched and sometimes clashing opinions, and draw on their personal experience in a fun, smart, snappy 15-minute show. Yeah, we kept that. Together they bring their familiar rapport and respective knowledge of social trends, online behaviour, media, TV and film and celebrities and create a relaxed but jam-packed 15 minutes of warm but frank conversation. Relaxed but jam-packed. Each week we discuss four subjects, two pop culture stories that cover anything from social observation to trend watching to celebrities, one news story and then here are some examples I've given. Two pop culture celebrity trend stories. Rowan Atkinson has moved on to a woman half his age. Just weeks after a divorce. How quickly is appropriate before you publicly move on? Louis Tomlinson, welcomes son at 24. Is 24 too young to become a parent? Kanye West leaves Twitter. Will he be missed? Lindsay Lohan posts on Instagram that she's done with her mum. Do mums drive everyone mad? So you used to be into celebrities. This is proof that once upon a time you kept on top of celebrity gossip. Colin Farrell, pictured with heavily gelled hair. Where do we stand on gel for men? (laughs) Stand. Oprah Winfrey makes $12 million with one tweet saying that you can eat bread if you do Weight Watchers. How much would you sell out for? Ooh, bitchy. In Australia, they're now selling McDonald's Big Mac sauce, which is selling out. If we could bottle or buy one famous restaurant item, what would it be? An Austrian tourist falls down a well while taking a selfie in Western India and she had to be saved with a rope made of shirt. When does vanity become dangerous? I think these are very good. I know. We went and recorded a trial run and Jackie said, You two have a great rapport and deaf fun to listen to. A few things. I thought it was one, too long, not snappy enough. Two, if we're going to get it sponsored, you can't talk about arseholes and whatsits. I think there's masses of potential but you need to go back into the studio for another go. So that's interesting because um, it's definitely not been snappy. (laughs) Uh, It's definitely been scatological, thanks to me, and sexual at times, thanks to you. So we ignored all the advice. I know. And it still did okay. Another email exchange that I enjoyed, March 2016. Thank you for your delightful voicemail yesterday, Panda. Pre-voice notes. I'm sorry I couldn't pick up. I loved your emoji piece. I'm going to put it in the newsletter. When you're free, let's have a drink after work. Bottle of rosé by the fitness first. 
Oh, thanks. That's okay. I know you have secret phone fear. The best people do. Are you watching Night Manager? Tom Hiddleston is a babe. Then I replied saying, desperate to watch Night Manager. I have so much work on at the moment. It feels like I'm wading through mud. Also have PMT, which makes me think I can't handle anything. Anyway, I love Tom Hiddleston. Have you seen this? He's my dream husband. And then I sent you a YouTube clip to just Tom Hiddleston doing some like quite dorky dancing. Why are you saying to Tom Hiddleston? And why am I not into him anymore? I think I'm not into him anymore because he did that really weird shit where he wore a muscle tee saying, I love TS. Yeah. Anyway, I, I think maybe that's when I went off him. So that's the beginning. But not the end. A really profound message is really about kind of philosophy and, and science and um, politics, weren't they? <laughs> I think for posterity, we should insert a clip from the very first episode of The High Low. And welcome to the very first episode of The Hilo. Bloody hell, it's good to be here finally. Land sakes are goshing. We're excited to bring this to you. <laughs> As you may have gathered, the Pandoli podcast is no more. R.I.P. Pandoli. Fun while it lasted. The Hilo is our new independent project, uh, a bit like Pandora. Yes, I have now left the Sunday Times, which was a sad but also exciting decision. Um, so like a brand new podcast, I am a new independent woman and I've had a really interesting month adjusting to freelance life. Dolly got a bit worried when I kept sending her pictures of me in tracksuits, but I snapped out of it. I'm back to yeah, normality. Yeah, tracksuit days are over. It was when you teamed them with the bloody Crocs when I really started worrying. Um, <laughs> yes, so Pandora is now an independent woman. Um, <laughs> my Sunday Times style dating column uh, is no more, so it has been an adventurous time for us both. Um, I'm now going on dates and uh, I don't have to write about them, which is, is quite that quite an odd weird. Thing. Yeah, you thinking, what's my story? What's my story? Completely. I went on a date last week with a guy and it was perfectly nice and relaxed. And halfway through, I went to the loo and I was like, so used. To, I was like, oh my God, I don't have to make this this like copy, awful copy, copy. Miranda Hart like slapstick caper or I don't <laughs> have to like make him my husband tomorrow. This can just be a nice date. So, yes, that's taking some adjusting too. Um, um, but new horizons for both of us. New Horizons and um, together we will be bringing you our weekly news and pop culture podcast, The High Low. The High Low. So we aim to bring it to you by 8am every Wednesday but please be aware that sometimes it may be other days as we're juggling kind of other projects and obligations and also you know I've had a fringe cut since uh, we last recorded <laughs> and that's taking up so much of my time managing that. Pandora just had a head in her hands for the entirety of that. Land sakes are goshen. <laughs> God, it's so manic. It's manic. It is manic. I need a Valium after listening to it. <laughs> it's completely manic. Do you know what else I remember? One of my loveliest first memories was we did that episode and it was, I mean, we were jabbering at a million words a minute which and is I like, why I like how stately you sound we sometimes might have other obligations at 8am I think we had five listeners at that point no one would have given a shit but do you remember we recorded that episode and then a week later we were recording uh the second episode and I remember exactly where we were we were a studio round Gooch Street and then you and I went for a drink afterwards and while we were having a drink a friend of mine texted me saying the Hilo's just been reviewed by the Guardian and it was a really, really good review from The Guardian. I remember we just couldn't believe it. It was so exciting. 
I do remember that we were in a different studio every week before we just bought the equipment and started recording from my home. Yeah, and also when you listen in the medley, you will hear that there's a period of time... There was construction work outside the studio, which exactly. is like the worst place. In the, every one we did at Acast, it is just this constant drilling in the background to the point where we just stop referencing it at some point. So sliced in the medley, there's just this like building site soundscaping. Uh, the cast of us mentioning the building work that happened at the ACOS studio is that building work has now begun on my road and no amount of pleading will make them stop. So This must be a message from the gods. This must be the universe winking at us because we have never, ever had to deal with drilling in four years of recording here. And then we mentioned the ACOS studio and the roadworks and suddenly a drill started. Yeah, we've been having some terse conversations <laughs> and it's still going on. So we will also continue... <laughs> Over the years, we have been so enormously enlightened and educated and moved by your letters. And in the last week, we have received hundreds and hundreds. And I am so sorry to those people who feel like we shat further on 2020 with this news. The comment, read the room, made me laugh. <laughs> I think my favourite comment was this summary of the Hilo as a glorious bit of talk. I think that's the greatest compliment. Because that's, that's all we've ever wanted to do is just be... A half-decent bit of talk. We asked you last week to write in with any memories or messages for the Hilo. And of those hundreds of messages, we asked some of you to record your messages as voice notes so we could play them in the show. We are in awe at what so many of you have gone through. Thank you for sharing your moving, funny, often heartbreaking stories. It is no exaggeration to say that I think Dolly and I have cried more in the last week than we have the whole of 2020. And... 2020 has been a year. Um, thank you for allowing us to join you on your journey, whatever that may be, because you may feel like you have joined our journey, but we feel very much that we have been on all of yours as well. Dear Dolly and Pandora. So very nearly said, hey, ladies. Thank God I didn't. I remember it being a pet peeve of yours, Dolly. Oh, the wrath that could have been unleashed. Well, now what am I going to live for each Wednesday? I cannot fathom going for my walks without your dulcet tones in my ears. My own thoughts are too full of lists and calculations and chaos. And other podcasts just don't cut it, quite frankly. It was coming up two years and no baby. The efforts of trying to conceive were proving to be overwhelming, and on my walks I needed distraction from my inner dialogue, who, to be honest, was being a right bitch. I was a podcast virgin, and I'm glad the high-low was the one that popped my cherry. Now many years on, that longed-for baby, ours is named Logan, is nearly 18 months old, and you unwittingly accompanied me on my journey of pregnancy, birth, and becoming a new mother. The high-load theme song is Logan's Jiggle Bar music, which is a display of jerky squatting movements, simulating dance. When I have you turned up to the highest volume when I'm faffing about the house, my husband knows not to interrupt me when I'm listening to my Dolly and Pandora people. What started as a distraction has become a permanent weekly entry in my diary. And how to fill that gaping hole in my Wednesday diary? It's without question, really. Off to the Desert Island Discs archives I go. The highlight episode on the 20th of September 2018 introduced me to a lifelong best friend. In September 2018, at the age of 22, I followed my dream of living abroad and moved to Berlin to study a PhD in biochemistry. One morning, a UK friend texted me. Did you write into the high-low? 
Sure enough, there was an email from a young woman in a similar situation to me, recently moved to Berlin and struggling with the feelings of loneliness in an unknown city. I knew what I had to do. I remember sitting on the loo at work, full of nerves, writing my email, reaching out to the high-low to get in touch with this person. My email was forwarded on, and soon enough I was on my way to my blind friendship date with Matilda. With Matilda, I felt seen. During those first months in Berlin, Matilda was key to my survival and enjoyment of life. Without her, I don't know if I would have stuck it out. I really want to express how grateful I am to your podcast for introducing me to Matilda in my time of need. Matilda is really the most amazing person, full of joy, laughter, creativity, kindness and understanding. And I know she's going to be a close friend for life. So thank you. Thank you so much for reading out my email back in 2018. I really couldn't have imagined that listening to your podcast would mean meeting one of my best and closest friends who really made my year in Berlin truly incredible and really, really funny too. I feel a little bit like I'll be losing friends that have been with me through some very difficult times. Almost three years ago, after 15 years of very heavy drinking, I finally got sober. It was so hard to begin with. I was uncomfortable being with myself. I didn't know how to fill my time and I was incredibly lonely despite having family and a partner around me that supported me. I drank in a way that either ruined my female friendships or meant that I never nurtured them. And finding out at 32 that I had missed out on the magic of true girlfriends hit me hard. As strange as it may sound, listening to you both really helped me feel less lonely. I realised that I wasn't going to be friendless forever just because I no longer had the drinking friends that I thought I had. Getting sober for me was about learning how to communicate again, how to make connections with people which weren't only fueled by wine. There were times when I listened to you both and I felt envious of the joy and the snorty laughter and other times, more often, when it made me smile so much and I felt included. Your wit and intelligence reminded me that you don't always have to be drinking hand to have a bloody lovely time with a friend. Thank you. I don't think you even realise how at times you have felt like friends to us that have been listening. Dear Dolly and Pandora, well, I don't quite know where to start. I suppose first with a massive thank you. Thank you for keeping me company during lockdown. Thank you for informing me. Thank you for making me laugh and cry. Thank you for educating me. Thank you for making me feel more comfortable being a young professional working woman. Thank you for giving me strength. Thank you for enlightening me. I'm going to miss the podcast so very much, but I will be listening back from the beginning to relive all the joy I think one of my favourite clips has to be Dolly's Francesco story. I've re-listened to that more times than is probably normal and cried with laughter every time. So much so, I want to call my future cat Francesco. Dear Dolly and Pandora, We lost our seven-year-old son, Rafe, suddenly in February. Our lives are unrecognisable. Our pain is debilitating and we don't know how to live anymore. They said self-care is important, so I kept up my little weekly escape of your podcast, a consistent thread running through my weeks of grief. The high-low flow gave me both the lightness I needed to escape the endurance of grief and the depth I needed to dig a little deeper into other stories of adversity. I've drawn strength in how you tackle hard issues with compassion, eloquence and laughter. Your regular inclusion of the topic of grief has been comforting, You have left me wanting more. I suppose this is a thank you letter. I wish it was handwritten. Thank you for holding my hand along this part of my grief journey. 
With love, Georgina, Rafe's mum. It's just so amazing to think about what four years can take someone through. Like, I think that's the thing that really moved me in so so many of those stories. Is if you listen to something week on week for four years, that could chart a really important journey. That could be like an IVF struggle. And then bringing a child into the world, it can be the ups and downs of a relationship. I think that's done that for both of us as well. In the last four years, both of us have had peaks and troughs. I particularly have found this year difficult. I lost my godson in April and I had, I even feel weird saying this, I'm going to say it quickly, I had postnatal depression this year and I don't think I could have done any other job with any other person except for this one with you. So... CJ, how awkward are you feeling on a scale of one to ten? <laughs> I'm going to lighten the mood quickly. Quick light break. I've got a voice note from Lauren Benstead to play us, who's a very close friend of mine, and she recorded the high low jingle. I think we paid her in three pints. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'd like to play this message from Lauren, who is the creator and recorder of the high low jingle. Hello, Dolly and Pandora. It's Lauren here, um, the composer of your wee jingle uh, for the high-low um, and, of course, your very long-term admirer, uh, strictly in the romantic sense. Um, I'm sending you guys lots and lots of love as you bring this um, amazing creation to a close. Uh, I had no idea, frankly, um, when I was sat in my pyjamas in my bedroom recording guitar parts, um, for what some listeners might say is quite an annoying little tune. Um, <laughs> I had no idea that um, what you were building would turn out to be such a glorious and important thing um, for so many people. Um, and frankly, if I had known that, I might have put a bit more bloody effort in. Um, so that is the sound there of me <laughs> clinking my mug of slightly warm cremant in your honour. Um, congratulations, my darlings. I wanted to talk about the evolution of the high low in its format because it's changed quite a lot over the years. And when I've gone back to listen to older episodes uh, to dig around for the medley, I don't think I've ever said the word or typed the word medley so many times last <laughs> week. <laughs> I think Charlie is ready to throttle me if I mention You, do cu- you did medley. come in quite authoritatively 35 minutes late and go, Charlie, have you got the medley? <laughs> Carrying two bottles of tequila. Charlie is now not replying to any of my emails that contain the word medley. Uh, but anyway, when I was, uh, I will say curating the medley, um, <laughs> it has really changed. I want to talk about the top line. Do you remember the top line? <laughs> I was going to say that the top line is, I think, a reflection of where perhaps the podcast has had these jostling parts. Exactly. Together. So where, and I think I've actually come round to your way of thinking, which is the more animal stories and out of date news stories, the better. But for a while, I did definitely feel a pressure to be bringing people current affairsy, newsy stuff. So the top line came out of me realising that we didn't have much time. And so you'd have to give like 10 bits of news in a minute, which is extraordinarily stressful both to record, to research, record and listen to. And week by week you took turns to do it and it was just so... I hated my week. I have to come up with 10 news stories and I had to be serious, international. And then I ended up, I remember saying to you... How did it die? 
I think I just finally said, Panda, I can't do this anymore. Because I remember <sighs> listening back to one of mine and we tried initially... It wasn't a good idea. ...to do I... it in 90 seconds, to read it aloud in 90 seconds. I thought if I made it like a game, it would be more fun. And then I listened back to myself doing it once and I was like, Panda, it's got... I can't do it anymore. Because it sounded like, you know, that tonal shift of local news where I would... But obviously I'm not a newsreader and I would hear myself saying... Kate Middleton has just bought a new hairdryer and people around the globe are copying her signature flicks. 50 people have died in the <laughs> in a recent I think, volcano. I, I think the high-low concept could be taken a little bit too literally at times. Yeah. And maybe the person who took that a little literally is me. <laughs> and <laughs> as a result, here I am today with a piece of paper highlighted in front of me about the Wombat's versatile bottom. So. Well, listen, I've got the original recording of the first ever top line. Get ready to sweat into your polyester, my darling. <laughs> we are introducing a new segment to the Hilo called... The top line. The top line is your quick fire update of 10 things, both high and low, that have happened this week and is in no way inspired by The Week magazine. <laughs> and we thought it'd be fun if we're going to alternate each week, if we try and do it in 90 seconds. What was his name from Countdown, the host? Richard Whiteley. I'm going to be your Richard Whiteley. You can always today. be my Richard Whiteley. So you're the Richard Whiteley to my Carol Vorderman. Twice nightly Whiteley. <laughs> right. 90 seconds on the clock, Charlie. Patrons of the Metropolitan Museum in New York are furious that celebrities such as Bella Hadid and Mark Jacobs were photographed smoking in the loo at the Met Gala and have called for them to be fined. It's Mental Health Week this week, and Theresa May has not only announced plans to scrap what many consider a flawed Mental Health Act, but she also pledged to recruit 10,000 new NHS staff to the mental health sector by 2020. Former Sun editor and Sun columnist Kelvin McKenzie is set to be fired from his column for comparing the footballer Ross Barkley to a gorilla. Donald Trump updated his Twitter banner to a picture of lots of white people doing a thumbs up, overlaid with one of his own tweets denying collusion with Russia. Very effective. According to the TV show The Doctors, matching your lipstick to your nipple colour is the best way to find the right lipstick because your nipple colour is complementary to your skin tone. Alexa Chung launched a teaser video for her eponymous clothing line, which is launching on May the 30th, causing Instagram to implode. A law in France banning the use of unhealthily thin fashion models has come into effect. Models will need to provide a doctor's certificate attesting to their overall physical health with special regards to their BMI. If found guilty, employers could face up to six months in jail. There's a new Instagram food craze in town. Cloud eggs involve separating the whites from the yolk and whipping up the whites to look like adorable clouds. Jesus weeps. Ten seconds on the clock! <laughs> Idris Elba did an open casting on his Instagram and the police had to be called because thousands of people descended upon Hackney. And lastly, another week, another airline scandal. This time it's in Florida and there were full-on brawls after Spirit Airline cancelled more than 30 flights. Sorry, 300 flights. I'm quite sweaty. And that, my friends, is the top line. I feel like maybe there were some pacing issues there, Pandora, but I'm very impressed. <gasps> and thank well, I was you. quite good with my, my pacing. Glam, thank you to my glamorous assistant, Charlie Jones. <laughs> Confession time. Do you remember when I told you that when we entered the top line, no one would notice and no one would care? And that was the thing that I kept saying. No one will notice, no one will notice. I, at the time, was manning the inbox. Do you remember that? This was before oh my God. we Did people hired a sub-editor, and before we had agents. And I very much kept it under my hat. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of emails. <laughs> People were so angry that the top line went. But I was like, I'll be fucking damned if Pandora ever finds me. <laughs> and I remember saying to you, no one's noticed. Have you noticed? No one's noticed. 
<laughs> I think I was probably quite relieved by your lie. Speaking of sub-editors, a special shout-out and agents to Grace and Louise, who, without, there is no way the Hilo would still be going. I think both of us would have imploded right now. And also our incredible sub-editors, Anna and Abby, who have been fact-checkers, manned the inbox, managed our Twitter, done all of the tentacles around the Hilo that I don't think we'd have been able to deliver to no. in the same way they have done. And so I cannot stress enough that the Hilo is... A team effort. And also, not just CJ we should be thanking, Joel as well. Yeah. CJ told us the other day, how many producers have we had over the four years of the Hilo? Eight. CJ's been 90% of them, but sometimes he was off doing his gardening podcast. Sometimes he was cheating on us. Yeah. I think it's time that we interview our main man. So, Charlie Jones, I know this is going to make you very uncomfortable. He came in extremely at ease today, I think. (laughs) But... You have been such an important part of the Hilo and you've been there from the very beginning and people always ask us about you so we wanted to turn the mic around to you. So we're going to ask CJ some questions about his time on the Hilo. Siege, what are your first memories of working on the podcast? Well, do you remember that I did a couple of pandollies? No. Yeah, yeah, I do remember that. I do remember... <laughs> you don't remember it at all? I do. I do remember because... We, it was our old producer Dave was off a couple of times. We got CJ in and then we liked you so much when Dave couldn't do the high low, we said, we'll have that Charlie guy. Is that how it happened? Yeah. I always wondered how we came together. <laughs> yeah, that's I don't remember any of it. That's Dave was, um, Dave, yeah, uh, Dave Maguire, who we should mention, was the uh, producer of Pandoli and he couldn't do the high low because he was traveling for a year and that's he it. very kindly recommended me and I'm very grateful that he did. Um, and yeah, it must have been, I guess, kind of scary for you guys, obviously starting a new podcast, but also with somebody that you didn't really know that well. It would be so different if we were starting it now. Yeah. We were very fly, loosey-goosey fly by the seat of our pants back then. Totally. And I think as well, you had, this is going to make you super uncomfortable, CJ, but Pandora and I, whenever we've talked about you lovingly, we have said that even though the Hilo, we're talking about mostly not that personal things. We do bring a lot of personal stuff to it. And every week we have, you know, 15 minutes of setting up where we are talking quite personally with each other, inevitably. And I remember you saying, Pandy, you were like, I can't, we can't ever do this to anyone else other than Charlie because he takes a pastoral role. (laughs) And it's true. I've always felt in safe hands with CJ. I also remember our, obviously our first record at the studio in central London, and I took a photo and I, I think I was just trying to make myself look uh, useful or, or busy <laughs> in some way. But obviously I was also keen to keen that this was history that needed to be documented yeah. in some way, shape or form. Have yeah. we got that picture? Yeah, I love that picture. It's black and white picture and we're just, we, you're wearing your glasses and we're turning round and looking oh at CJ. God, that feels like yesterday. I know. I had a fringe and now yeah, you have fringe. a fringe. Yeah. Siege, who have been your favourite guests? Gabri Sidibe was a lot of fun. Yeah, she, oh was, she was. David Nichols, you uh, were both very, very charmed by. I, I was equally charmed. Enough. You were in love as well. <laughs> I very much enjoyed talking to Nick Hornby a few weeks ago. I could have I could have very easily just spoken to him about Fever Pitch, but oh, yeah, he, only, sure. he only really wanted to uh, speak about you guys. I thought, oh, they like my book, do they? 
I'm so grateful for how many people recorded a reading of their books or articles have having absolutely no clue who we are. They, their, their agent would just get a slightly mental email from us about 11pm the night before being like, can you just record it as a voice note? And you'd hear them being like, uh, thank, thanks for having me. <laughs> no idea what they were doing, poor things. Charlie, I want to know what you're, if you have any favourite episodes or segments or topics, or are there certain parts of the Hilo that you've always enjoyed recording? Like, what do you think works as an episode? Well, I w- was very... Uh, excited to hear the World Cup discussed through the hi- the high low filter, and it was something that I'd been kind of sending the kind of emails and WhatsApps about, often without reply. Yeah, yeah, I remember you were shipping it hard. Um, but yeah, that was a that I got a real buzz out of that that day. That was that was a lot of fun. for anybody that hasn't listened to it. That was discussing the high low of the World Cup, the high, the high being, um, you know female fans in Iran that were seeing their team play for the first time in Russia because they couldn't, they weren't allowed to back home to the low of Tunisia having a player called Sassy. (laughs) And also Dolly talking about football. Didn't you call it like... The football competition. That's I also remember Dolly asking me if they played for uh, money or prestige. Do you win an actual cup? More of a trophy than a cup. A yeah. trophy. You win a trophy. Do you win anything else or just the prestige of the trophy? Just the prestige. Cool. <laughs> it's my favourite reply ever to the concept of prestige. <laughs> I just don't get it, Charlie. You know I love you, but I just don't get that game. I don't get it. I've never been more surprised when I turned up at Pandora's once and saw that uh, topic one on the running order was Neville Southall, former former, oh, former yeah. Wales and Everton goalkeeper Neville Southall, who, of course, was... Um, he was educating up, himself, wasn't he? Was he, giving up his social, he was giving up his Twitter account to um, various platforms. Yeah. And, yeah. Yes. He was great. I loved I loved talking about him. That was CJ's favourite story. Yeah. Siege, do you ever wear your DJ CJ t-shirt that we got you? And if so, do you ever get recognised as the iconic podcast producer, not just for us, but for many other people that you are? I don't wear it out and about because I've seen enough people on trains with the with the Hilo artwork on their phone to know that I wouldn't get very far. And also I mean, I wear it all the time around the house, obviously. Okay, good. But if I if I was to be seen sure. to, to be wearing it, there's only two reasons that I could be wearing that shirt, really. One is that I am DJ CJ, and the other would be that I'm a Hilo fan, but my favourite member of the Hilo... <laughs> That's is better. The, That's better. ...is the mute male producer... That's my favourite Charlie, I promise you we're not going to put you through this torture for much longer. But my final question is, um, I want to know what you get asked most about making the high, though, if people ask you anything. Maybe they don't. I'm quite, it's quite often if I'm at a larger gathering, there will be somebody there that is a high-low fan and word can spread. <laughs> and some people, a lot of people, they're not that interested in the fact that DJ CJ is here. The more interested somebody that knows Pandora and Dolly is here, and they will always ask, "What are you? What are you really like?" Um, and I say always uh, that you are two of the nicest people that I've ever met, uh, because I don't know whether it might get back to you. <laughs> I was literally just welling up, and they've retracted. Back I was about to untie him. I'm tying him right back up. <laughs> 
But no, I yeah, that is very true. And the the fact that you have afforded me this platform on this very last episode speaks to your kindness and generosity towards me over the last four years. Well, Charlie, you have been so much more than a producer. You've been a real friend. And this has been, as Pandora mentioned earlier, this has been a big four years for us. It's been big ups and downs. And you've been, you know, you've been privy to that. And while making this podcast has been a joy, it's also, you know, been a big challenge at times. And you've been an amazing supporter of ours. And you don't need to look in our eyes when we say this, because I know it will make your sphincter clench. (laughs) Totally too. But we do love you. We do love you, CJ. And about his I don't know if we're allowed to say this, but you've got a very exciting chapter coming up next in your life, haven't you? Uh, yes, I've got a, a, a baby coming. First name high, surname low? Yeah, why not? Middle name Sphincter. <laughs> Big round of applause for DJ yeah. CJ. We love you. And, and, and I love you guys too. And you guys, I believe, put together a blooper reel, which I am pretty excited about listening to because I haven't heard it yet. Sainsbury's supermarket in Bath was rebranded last week as Sainsbury's to raise... It sounds like you're saying Sainsbury's. <laughs> Sainsbury's. <laughs> was rebranded last week as Sainsbury's. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Dick Van Dyke. Where? Golly gun. She's... Is she sleeping? She's not sleeping. What's she doing? Has she gone wee-wee? She's there. What? She's there. She's there? I'm here, I'm here. To celebrate its 150th birthday, Sainsbury's supermarket in Bath was rebranded last week as Sainsbury's. <laughs> <laughs> it's way too big a build-up. <laughs> it's way too long a sentence. Do you think I just start with... We start with rebranded. Okay. Rebranded as Sainsbury's. Say it a few times. Sainsbury's. Sainsbury's. Sainsbury's, Mary Poppins. Ooh, Skepta and Adele are dating. Who is Skepta? He's like, he won. Did he win the Mercury a couple years ago? Fame Productions. Why do I not know this? I can't answer that. Is there a Bond film called Skepta? Okay, found it. Spectre. Okay, Bane, I kept seeing it and I thought everyone was talking about the Bond film. Right. Shortly after the final whistle confirmed that the US women had clenched their... Clenched? <laughs> clenched? Had, <laughs> had one. Clenched. Clenched. She was a minute. She was a minute. She was a minute. <laughs> it's like I'm stuck. Ooh, that's very good, isn't it? Ooh, very good. I love how we do this, guys. Well done! Charlie and I have been beavering away on some favourite clips of the Hilo from the last four years. So DJ CJ, hit us with the medley. Welcome to the Hilo, the weekly current affairs and pop culture podcast brought to you by Dolly Alderton and Pandora Sykes. How do you feel about sitting opposite a dying woman? <laughs> Dolly is very hungover. It's a real privilege for you to see me in my final hours. She's wearing some pretty funky Ugg shoes. I only wanted to be with you and CJ at this time. 
They're not Uggs, they're furry Birkenstocks. Furry Birkenstocks, sorry. And um, we also got a lovely email this week, didn't we, Dolly? You were thrilled about We got this a few lovely yet. emails. This was my favourite one. Hi, Dolly. Hope you're very well and looking forward to the weekend. Wanted to email you for two reasons. Firstly, because I wonder if I can augment your list of far-flung listeners. I live and work at the British military base in the Falkland Islands and will be here for the rest of this year. Have you got any other fans from the sub-Antarctic Islands? Ha ha. <laughs> Did you need to read the whole Secondly, and more importantly, to tell you how much I enjoy listening to the high low. Every week I drag myself off camp for long runs through the Falklands, bleak and desolate landscapes while I listen to the high low show. Given that life here often looks and feels like I'm on another planet, it's so nice to have a reminder of home and listen to some conversation that is thought provoking, interesting and not so resolutely macho. Cheers, Matt. Two thoughts. Number one, I bet that you're desperate to go to the Falklands now. I'm not actually. Are you not bleak and desolate landscapes? I thought you'd be, it could be your new Orkney. Um, no, I am desperate to find out if Matt is single. And also... Is that why Matt... Matt, why did you write just to Dolly? I don't know if you're aware that this is co-hosted. And also, Matt, there is a 44 in your email address, I notice. Now, are you 44? Because Were you if born that in 1944? The case, then I can make allowances. Were you born in 1944? In which case, there'll be a bit of negotiation. Or, are you just not interested in me? sexually at all and you're just sending a nice email and I'm being very arrogant and presumptuous. Matt please can you follow this up I want to know what happens next I want to witness this love story. I found out something I think you'll enjoy this week. I tweeted it but you haven't been on Twitter so I have to repeat it. Oh tell me. Um, I weigh the same as Frankie de Tory. (laughs) Who's Frankie de Tory? Is this a joke? No. Shut the fuck up it's not a joke. No. I've told you a footballer. (laughs) Probably the most famous jockey to have come out of the UK. I don't know anything about sports. I neither do I. Okay, um, if, if anyone else out there thinks it's odd that Dolly doesn't know who Frankie Dottori is, can you email us? Please send us many emails berating <laughs> me because I really enjoy it. He's a re- he's a really famous Italian jockey, Frankie Dottori. Everyone else who has heard of him can enjoy that I weigh the same as well, him. I weigh the same as the baby elephant currently doing the viral video rounds on Facebook. So. <laughs> That's another fact. By the time you listen to this podcast, we will all know who our Prime Minister is. So we've decided... Weird that, isn't it? I, I was know. on the tube this morning and everyone was looking really mellow and I was like, oh, I don't know. I sort of thought there'd be like a GE 2017 vibe. <laughs> Did you vote this morning? No, I haven't gone yet. I'm going to go after this. I voted this morning and because I've found... I, I'm not being cynical. I do think it's great that so many people are like, vote, it's important to vote. But I do I thought find... you like, I'm not being cynical. I do understand that people have to vote. <laughs> no, no. It's in, but I have really noticed this time, and quite right so, because, you know, it is an important election, but I have noticed people being really like, I'm going to vote. Oh, purposeful. I'm yeah. the best. And so I, this morning... <laughs> Shouty voters. I took a photo of me outside the polling station with, like, a really goofy smile, being like, I voted, give me a cookie. <laughs> because I was sitting at my desk writing the high-low notes and I had a pensive stroke of my chin and I realised there were two new hairs there. What? How, when was the last time you plucked? Mm, probably a few weeks ago. Are you joking? I have to do it every day. And I ran upstairs and I got out my tweezers and I plucked them away and I came downstairs and I thought if I was in an office... I wouldn't have been able to do that. I might not have had my tweezers on Mm. my person. Mm. The light in the loo might not have been good. There might have been other people, you know, maybe superiors Mm. that made doing that activity awkward. You could always see, I think, in meetings when I worked in an office when a woman sort of pensively runs her finger finger across her chin. I just wanted to It's a really unifying experience. It is, but you just see a woman. It's like all the tube I see women do it and it's like, I hate And they stop and then reverse and go back. I know what you're doing, sister.
Do you know what? Actually, this weekend, Farley introduced me to a natty new little gadget that she has called the Touch Flawless. Oh, you see these um, Which... advertised on, like, those weird... JML, yeah. yeah. It wasn't for me, I must say. It wasn't for me. What does it do? Because I like to fully extract the hair. Yeah, me too. Because otherwise, I, d- I don't like feeling any sort of fuzz at all. But also, I like to see totally... the root. I like the root. I like feeling it completely extracted. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get, you'll get your turn in a minute, Charlie, and you can tell us all about your chin hairs. Um... And I, yeah, I like the satisfying, I just like, I like completely smooth chin. Yeah. Um, but this isn't an extractor. It's it's just like a slicer. Oh, absolutely not So it me. doesn't, but, but she really, she swears by it. The only so, thing. So it's basically like shaving. Yeah, that's what I think, but without, without the rash. But the only thing that I have found really effective, I think I brought one in for you to try once. He did, it wasn't for me. The springy coil one. Yeah, do you use those? I, it reminded me this weekend that I need to buy some more on eBay. I don't use them anymore. But, but they were so good, and then you roll up the coil. I just, like, like, I just like some tweezers. Too time-consuming. I'm a busy lady. I'm a, I'm a you know, modern woman on the go. Um, <laughs> modern woman on the go. <laughs> Title of your next book, that doll. Uh, modern woman on the go. I had um, my kind of pretend Christmas with my friends last weekend, and I drank so much Baileys Oof. that it had the same effect physically as ketamine. You went into a beehole. Couldn't feel my legs. Had no sense of space or time. <laughs> kept envisaging. Do you think that. this is what the people want from the Christmas kept... special? <laughs> it's very Christmassy, Ketamin. <laughs> kept envisaging myself across the room. I was so all over the place. And it was just simply from pure Baileys. That is riveting. Pint after pint after pint of this stuff. So creamy as well. Can I also just say that I'm really into the phrase getting your dick wet? Perhaps oh, horrible. It's awful. It's like dipping it's... your paintbrush or putting your pen in the pen box. It's a really disgusting but pleasingly evocative. Oh, I think it's very mechanical. Sorry for our schnozzies. I'm so sniffly. You don't sound so sniffly today. You have been very sniffly. I have a very weird nose problem, but right now it seems to be doing quite well. Let's see how we're going in. I know, two mine is time. not. And also, we're recording early, which we've never done before. And Dolly's taken to the new recording time very well. Very prompt. Pandora and CJ now know that I'm officially not a morning person because I've just put Sudafed blocked nose spray in my own eye. (laughs) Panda's cold is from having a toddler and working too hard. Mine is from being too groovy. This word. So many incredible guests on the high-low and candid, enlightening, informative, sprawling, explorative conversations that have really been such an important part of this podcast's identity. What have been some of your favourites, Panda? Not just because I have a terrible memory, but Graham Norton on last week's... He's one of my favourites as well. I'd always wanted him on the podcast. Yeah. And I loved interviewing Nezreen Malik over this year. I learned learned so much from her non-fiction book, We Need New Stories. So... That was um, enormously enlightening and educational for me. What about you, doll? I mean, I love that Reniedo Lodge episode that we did, which is our first ever author special. She's a fantastic interviewee. She's incredibly open and honest and direct and clear. And I just feel so privileged, really, that, that we managed to get an interview with this incredible writer and this incredible voice. Um, the impact she's made yeah. has been 
I'm so thrilled that we got to speak to her at the beginning of this journey. It was obviously also amazing to have Tina Brown. I cannot believe we wangled that. I think we wangled that in the first year of the Hilo coming out. What was the email she sent me that you're... Yeah, afterwards she sent me an email that just said... How are you? How are you? And now Dolly begins every missive to me. How are you? I just I, love her. I believe I replied, but she is... I mean, that's who the Hilo was named in. Not in a marge necessarily to Tina, although we do love her work at the New Yorker and Vanity Fair. And obviously she wrote the Diana Chronicles, which lots of people are now reading with all of the Diana content that's back on our screens. But also we just... Her her whole raison d'etre is, is so everything we love um I don't think we're probably half as uh brave as her but I hope to be yeah me too me too and I have to say this couple of minutes whirls round and round in my head on my low days to perk me up thank you so much for coming on the high low we will forever be proud that we got you onto the show that your journalism inspired oh i am thrilled to be here you know really this this little recording studio is where it's all happening right <laughs> this is the room where it happens there are so many others yomi adagoke and elizabeth uva benene lindsay hilson Oh, Lindsay Hilson was incredible. Also, Lindsay Hilson, which we had to take out when I did my long intro of for her for the author special. You got it all wrong. Guest this week is Lindsay Hilson, and I spoke for about five minutes reverently. Bearing in mind, she is like for us as journalists, you're talking royalty. You can't get more revered than Lindsay Hilson. And as I finished, she went, "Nope, that's all completely wrong." Did you get that off Wikipedia? You got it off the website of her employer, so you haven't gone totally rogue. <laughs> but she remember it so glued. Nope, that's all completely wrong. Just sat and listened to me say it, and then she said at the end. How much did you and Siege enjoy recording with Jane and Jerrica? I remember I couldn't be there because I was four years pregnant by that point. Yeah. And I remember you guys just delivering the footage. It was so good. Remember we went to Julia Davis's flat and I was quite nervous about that one because it's such a sacred thing that they do because it's improv and they don't script it. And obviously they're both these like towers of comedy history. So I didn't want to feel like I was kind of imposing on their process. But Charlie and I just went into a small room with them and they started improving as Joan and Jericho and Charlie and I just faced the wall, didn't we, CJ? So we didn't want to distract them. My favourite guest of all time, I think, is going to surprise you, Panda. I think the reason I love it so much is... It summarises to me the absolute joy and privilege of doing this podcast, which is I read about a man in the local newspapers one week, a couple of years ago, fell in love with this story. And then the following week, we'd managed to get in touch with him and he introduced that episode of The Hilo. And the whole thing felt like the real heart of The Hilo, which is a celebration and an elevation of the seemingly smaller things. I've got some uplifting news about a fellow broadcaster. 73-year-old Deke Duncan has been doing a radio show with just one listener since 1974. He's never had a licence as a station, so has only ever beamed it from the shed in his back garden into the living room through a speaker for his wife to listen to. And he's never had anyone else other than his wife listening to it. Um, And that hasn't stopped him from producing. He does all his own jingles and he calls on friends to cover shifts to ensure the stringent dawn tonight evening schedule. 
I love them humouring him when it's just the wife. I know. And finally, a local BBC radio station found out about him from an interview that he did. And a BBC radio station, a local BBC radio station, has finally given him a one-hour special to do over the Christmas period. And he said for the first time in his life, he's speechless. Oh, my God. I wonder what BBC radio station is it? It's called Three Counties. Okay, I'm going to try and tune in. is Dee Junkin, radio DJ and host of the longest running radio show with the smallest audience. That's my wife. You're listening to The Hilo, a weekly current affairs and pop culture podcast hosted by journalist Dolly Anderton and Pandora Sykes. I'm going to be hosting a one-hour special on BBC Three Counties Radio over the festive period. You can listen in on New Year's Eve at 6 p.m. See you soon, and in the meantime, and in between time, keep smiling. Isn't it so good? In the meantime, and in between time. But also, my favourite bit of that is Dolly Anderton. Dolly Anderton, who was the one who organised the whole fucking thing, Deke. (laughs) I'm so childish, because I just love it when people get surnames wrong. It's my favourite thing. People getting names slightly wrong is in the same... (laughs) arena of comedy is people playing the flute or recorder badly or people falling over I don't know why for some reason it just absolutely makes me fall apart Keegan Bonin of the Hilo I wanted to play a clip from my favourite ever episode of the Hilo Pandora can you guess what it is no hold on more so than I feel like we've covered so many of your favourite bits that there's still some to come yeah my favourite ever episode is the quiz that I did for you and Charlie at the end of 2018 I think this where you asked us who your broadband provider was let's take a step back in time and see (laughs) it's a little bit of a mix Charlie Jones and Pandora Sykes will be taking the quiz I am the quiz master yeah very nice you mustn't be nervous Charlie Mm. I'm do badly at this, I can tell. Okay. Question one. Yep. The Eurovision Song Contest was held in which city? Question number two. Pandora had a baby this year. On what date? Oh, that's so good. I can do that one. Can you pass me the Cremont, please? Who's that for? Is this for our listeners as well? (laughs) Is this a quiz? This is a quiz for our listeners as well, isn't it? Okay, the listeners should be playing along. Number five. There's a sort of bonus point for this. The main question is, what county did Charlie Jones grow up in? And for a bonus point, what town in that county? Town. Is it a town? I gave you a village in the town. (laughs) Village. Village. I thought this was a good one because we always assume Charlie is from a county that he's not from. And he actually slightly, he lost, slightly lost his rag at me about it. Where does he assume you're from? It's like a trick question. Number ten. Who is Dolly's broadband provider? <laughs> <laughs> when you said you'd gone rogue with this quiz, <laughs> you're a f- you are you're something. Which football team does Charlie Jones support? It's going to be quite hard for our listeners. This is quite, um, I'd say the one they might struggle with the most might be your internet provider. <laughs> but everyone will learn. Finally. A letter was written in Le Monde earlier this year in which French women expressed their fear of Puritanism sparked by the Me Too movement. 
Which famous actress led it? Occasionally, your journalist self pops back up before she then goes back to sleep for a few questions. She's still here. Dolly published a book this year. Did she? Write down a line from her favourite one-star review on Amazon. Number 18. Name three other podcasts that Charlie produces other than the Hilo. <laughs> Adora's look of horror. Do you know the answer to that? Okay. Okay. Okay, no, no, it's fine. I've got this. Okay. Nailed it. Number 19. When are the bins collected on Dolly Street by Camden Council? <laughs> Did you write this when you were drunk? This is the most insane shit you've... Um, do, do they come twice a week or are you not allowed to say that's not my place to say is it not your place right okay cool great got a good awesome. feeling about this answer <laughs> number 23 what is Charlie Jones's favourite sandwich and why <laughs> how am I meant to know that he's never talked about it You've just you've gone to him privately and said, CJ, what's your favourite sandwich and why? But he's never spoken about it publicly. Maybe he has and you haven't been listening. No, but he's spoken about um he has baked crust slices, he has crisps that his wife packs. But like he hasn't ever spoken about his favourite sandwich. Yeah, I think this you have is... to get do an educated guess then. Oh, I just feel a bit angry about it actually. This is the first time I will speak about it publicly. <laughs> Should we swap answers? Swap answers. I'm gonna get about two out of ten. I mean, it's 30. Two out of 30. Hi, low listeners. Swap answers with your friends at home. If you played it, you really are a super fan. And that play was the, along. That was the prize <laughs> Number one. Eurovision Song Contest held in which city? The answer was Lisbon. What did you guys have? Charlie wrote Vienna. Uh, Pandora wrote Never Neverland. <laughs> Pandora, if you're just taking the piss, then I just, I don't want to go through the fair. answers. What village and county did Charlie Jones grow up in? What did Pandora write? Devon. <laughs> Literally could not be further away. Berkshire and Binfield. I know someone else from Binfield. Yeah? Who? <laughs> Charlie's so aggressive. Another time. Oh, look, we both went for the same internet. Number 10, who is Dolly's yeah. broadband provider? We both went with BT. Obviously. Sadly not. Who is it? The answer is Relish. Who the fuck are they? What? They're very good, and I'm not being sponsored to, to say this. Literally £5 a month. They were so fast when I moved in. Next day, had the router in there. Highly recommend. Which football team does Charlie Jones support? Pandora went for Cool Team United. She couldn't cool team come with a, a real team. <laughs> I thought you'd be let... Do you know what? I think that that was a diplomatic move. I'm way more angry about Cool Team United. Than you would have been about Man, Man U? Yeah. CJ, the answer is... What about if I'd gone for Spurs? Well, you, you don't know the answer, so I can't be offended by oh, suggesting a real team. The answer is Arsenal. It is, and Dolly knew that. I did, actually. And I think it's rather embarrassing that you didn't. Never letting you be the quiz master again. Dolly published a book this year, write down a line from her favourite one-star Amazon review. Charlie wrote... So I just wrote that Charlie's written it all in capitals. It's a bit of like a, a visual assault. Charlie wrote, too smutty. This is what I was really excited about because I think it's like such an insight into what you two think of my weaknesses, my character flaws. Yeah. Too smutty. What did Pandora say? Uh, I wish I'd wiped my bum with it. So the correct answer is an absolutely terrible book, the worst I have ever read. <laughs> 
So that's my favourite, just because it's so to the point. But I thought this would just be a fun bit of extra trivia. Here are three other ones that I loved. The Hilo is a great podcast, but this book is just awful. It's gone to the charity shop. <laughs> Pretty well, yeah. Self-indulgent nonsense from someone who just comes across as spoilt and immature. Her best friend seems nice, though. Would rather read her book. Did Farley write that? <laughs> yeah, Farley wrote that. And finally, this was a close contender. She comes across as selfish and jealous and a terrible friend. Not a character you can warm to at all. There is nothing interesting about this woman's life. If there was a zero-star button, she'd have it. <laughs> Number 18. Name three other podcasts that Charlie produces other than the Hilo. What did Pandora say? Uh, Pandora wrote the football one, the other football one, <laughs> and the one in gardens. To be fair, Charlie, that to is the fair, correct Charlie answer. wrote Italian football, Scottish football, gardening podcast. Point for both! Number 19. When are the bins collected? On Dolly Street by Camden Council. CJ went with a strong Tuesday. What did you go for? Wednesday. The answer is Thursday morning. <sighs> Sadly. God, and we so should have known that. Call yourself a journalist, Pandora. Number 23, what is Charlie's favourite sandwich and why? This is quite moving. Ham and cheese because it takes me back to childhood. Okay, that's actually not what you said in the email when I asked you for the answer. What did I say? You said ham and cheese, nothing gives me the same simple joy as meat and cheese in between bread and butter. Oh, that's so creepy, CJ. I think you get, I think, what did you say? No, no, I mean this his. No, there. Oh, yeah. yeah. What did I say? You said BLT because you can always rely on it. <laughs> <laughs> Number 26, who is Charlie's favourite footballer of all time? And for a bonus point, his current favourite footballer. His favourite now is Lucas Torreira. And she got the pronunciation I know, right. Charlie gave me a pronunciation note in the email. Thank you, Charlie. Yeah. Uh, what did Pandora guess? Pandora went for uh, for all-time David Ginola, who used to live next door to my uncle and auntie. He's pretty cool, though, right, David Ginola? He, Very um, sexy. My auntie, uh, when he moved in, knocked on the door to say hello, and he answered wearing only a towel. Oh, stop it! Be still, my beating Officer, heart. please! <laughs> Number 29. Who did Justin Bieber marry this year? Hayley Baldwin. The answer is not Hayley Baldwin, it's Molly from the Saturdays. <laughs> I'm joking, it's Hayley Baldwin. I just wanted to see if I could have any sort of authority no, in a pop culture arena. No. Number 30. Can I just say, dear listeners, that Dolly, bear in mind that the Hilo's now been going for almost two years and it, it wouldn't be immodest to say that it's enjoying some success as a culture podcast discussing current affairs. Dolly said to me last week, the thing is, I just really hate talking about cultural current affairs. I do, I'm terrible at it, I think. It's the entire <laughs> premise of this podcast. Charlie, what was Ooh. your score? 13. We both 13. got 13. You both got 13. Yeah. Yeah. You got a tiebreaker. Oh, congratulations. 13 guys. out of 30. That's a uh, strong effort, isn't it? Thanks for that, Tom. <laughs> I want to talk about Christmas specials, Pandra. I've gone back and listened to all our Christmas specials. And something that I've noticed is in every single one, you and I are both ill. Every single Christmas special, we're both sick. Normally because you're always pregnant in December. <laughs> and I'm always burning the candle at both ends, recreationally. But I think we should listen to the 2017 Christmas special in which we performed a nativity. It's now time for Dolly's Nativity. Now, you listeners know about as much about Dolly's Nativity 
It's Charlie and I know. I wouldn't let them read it until curtain up. Have I now got it in my inbox? I've I've sent it it to you. There's a fourth... Well, I've been brainstorming the narrative structure of it for quite a while. (laughs) There's a fourth character in this and we don't have enough actors, so I've I've done it so I can play the fourth character and you're going to read the stage directions. Okay. Bethlehem Suburbs Night. So what have you brought him then? The Son of God? Yes. I don't want to say because I don't want you to copy my idea. Don't worry, I already have my gift planned. Okay, well, it's some top-of-the-range myrrh. Add a touch of biblical elegance to your home with a spritz of myrrh. Myrrh is as long-lasting as room fragrances come. Just one spray in the morning will leave your home feeling as warm and welcome as a Jerusalem summer and as luxurious as the bejeweled crown on King Herod's head. Thank you very much to myrrh. (laughs) Isn't myrrh our new podcast sponsor? Yeah, so... So I have it on good authority that Joseph, the son of God's adoptive dad, is a carpenter who likes to listen to your podcast while he's in the woodwork shop. Surely not. We don't have any male listeners. Well, he certainly is. Well, tell him to leave us a good iTunes review then. Chasper gets the attention of one of the waiters. Excuse me, may I have another Negroni? Thanks. <laughs> Wise King Chasper, that's your third of the day. Yes, we've got a fair way to go, I think, so that's just one for the road. Dolior, what have you taken as a present for the son of God? I have taken some frankincense. Capture the ancient allure of the past with eau de frankincense. Its unique smell evokes a sense of treasure from times gone by, making the everyday feel precious. Do you have a loved one who's stressed and overworked? Why not treat them to frankincense oil to wind down after a long day of shepherding or woodworking? Well, you're as screwed as I am because he'll know that's our sponsor too. That doesn't matter. All we did was use the listener discount Wise Man at the checkout. It's not like we blagged them for free. What have you bought him, Chasper? An award-winning marrow and a Maris Piper potato of a record-breaking weight. Is this from your gardening podcast that you produce when you're not producing ours? It's actually an agricultural podcast, which you would know if you ever bothered to ask, and I think you'll find it was featured in The Guardian's favourite podcast roundup. Oh, we were in that roundup as well. Were you? Yes, you might have missed it. It was a pull-out leaflet at the very back of the paper in the podcasts we sort of like but also sort of don't like because we think they're slightly silly ladies with posh voices section. Congratulations. Thank you. What are we going to do about our presents? I'm not sure. How about some vouchers somewhere nice? Too impersonal for the Son of God, I think. You should pre-order him your new book, Everything I Know About Love. A spot-on, wildly funny and sometimes heartbreaking book about growing up, growing older and navigating all kinds of love along the way. Published by Fig Tree Penguin and out February the 1st. That's nice of you to suggest it, but sadly I'm not into self-promotion. I find it very embarrassing. That's fair enough and I admire you for that. Thank you, Pandoria. But we still don't know what we're going to get the Son of God. What's that bright light coming from the terrace smoking area? It's blinding. The angel Tina Brown appears in a halo of bright light. Do not be afraid. I am the angel Tina Brown, iconic magazine editor, and I bring you tidings of great joy. Aren't you meant to be bringing tidings of great joy to the three shepherds right about now? I think that's a small detail we shouldn't dwell on as perhaps the writer of the script was told she had to finish it in about ten minutes and she couldn't remember which narrative strand belonged to which section of the nativity. Fair enough. I am here to tell you a child has been born in a stable in Bethlehem and there is nothing he would like more than my recently published memoir, The Vanity Fair Diaries. That's a brilliant idea. He's got a tough road ahead of him and a lot of navigating the patriarchy and power, old institutions, oppression, public speaking, connecting to the masses, etc. I think he'd really benefit from hearing your story of how you turned a failing magazine into a media juggernaut bringing in multi-millions of advertising sales against all the odds. That's settled then. 
Well, Tina, you really are an angel. <laughs> May we take a lock of your hair to frame and hang in our studio? No, I appreciate your respect and admiration, but don't touch me. Fair enough. Goodbye and good luck. I think you follow the star to get there. Is it the star or am I the star? My nativity knowledge is a little rusty. I think Google Maps might be easier. Tina Brown disappears into the smoking area terrace. Just thinking on my toes here. If we're heading to this stable and there's a big crowd there anyway, might it be an idea to do a live podcast record? Won't that slightly be stealing his thunder? No, I think it's fine, Pandoria. You've got to take your chances when they appear. It's what the angel Tina Brown would do. And Chasper has his recording equipment anyway. I certainly do. Now down your Negroni and let's saddle up the donkey. Good idea, Pandoria. Thank you, Dolly I like your wise man beard. Thank you. I couldn't find my tweezers. <laughs> I would just like to say that listening to the show has always been a highlight of my week. But during the first lockdown, it honestly became a highlight in my life. I would eagerly await each episode and head out on a high-low walk. Listening to the show throughout this period kept me sane and connected. Thank you so much. No, that is over. And yay that you're going out on a high. I have listened every week for the past two years, and at times your show has felt like something of a lifeline to me. During this time, I came to the end of a five-year struggle with infertility and failed rounds of IVF. This led to a divorce, which led to a bit of a mental health breakdown. Safe to say I'm okay now, but wanted to let you both know how magical this podcast has been for me. It's like I've got two new friends... As a male listener, I've often thought to write in, letting you know how much I love the show and that I reckon there are tons of other men who listen and that they might simply not show up in your comments, emails, social media channels, so you don't know they're there. On behalf of those men, thank you. You rock. I have been listening avidly to the high-low for a while now, but it's the last couple of months of lockdown that I've realised just how important it has become to me. I separated from my partner of 10 years, who's also the father of our two young children, in July. And whilst I've experienced only relief at the relationship ending, the heartbreak has come from having to wave goodbye to our two two children every week when they now go and stay at their dad's overnight. Initially, I dealt with this over the summer by going to stay with friends and arranging time with family as a very welcome distraction. However, in the last few weeks, not being able to meet anyone else other than for walks has meant those evenings when my children aren't there anymore have become so, so much harder. This was when I realised just how much I look forward to the weekly episode of the high-low and would save it for the times when I felt most alone, as it has never failed to cheer me up. Please don't underestimate how much joy and companionship you have brought with your wonderful podcast. Thank you so much. Love, Jen. A few years back, you made one of your rare shout-outs to my best friend, Kerry, wishing her well when she was admitted to the Royal London for an extended period of time due to chemotherapy complications. Kerry sadly passed away in March this year, and I don't really know how to say how much you guys meant to her and how we all weirdly associate the highlight with her. There will never be enough thank yous, and I will always have the fondest memories of the wonderful thing you both created. Bravo, and God bless. Kezia. P.S. Also forgot to mention something, lol. When Kerry first started listening to you both, she didn't realise that she had you on double speed, so she was genuinely gobsmacked at the speed of your conversations and the topics you plough through so quickly. It took her a good eight or so episodes before I listened with her and informed her that, yes, you are extremely clever and succinct, but you aren't that clever and succinct. 
Dear Pandora, Dolly and the Hilo team, Due to a severe and complex illness that began in my 20s, I have been 24-7 bedridden for five years and housebound for 13. Lockdown on steroids. But no matter what, your podcast has been, no hyperbole, the highlight of my week. Wednesdays, high-low drop day, have come to be a thing to eagerly anticipate in this shockingly reduced existence. I was a print journalist before this illness and can no longer read, type, watch TV. The losses and griefs of this illness are beyond words. But your intelligent, thought and soul-provoking, funny, gorgeous, entertaining podcasts have kept me going, sometimes through blinding physical agony, and provided a window back into both the professional and personal worlds. Dear Dolly and Pandora, I'm so gutted that the high-low is coming to an end. You make me laugh every week and I've read so many brilliant books as a result of your recommendations. One of the highlights of the show for me was Dolly talking about her playlist, Pandemic at the Disco, during the first lockdown. Your ability to make each other and the listeners laugh during this crazy year is a gift and a tonic. Can you please share Pandemic at the Disco in the show notes next week? Dolly and Pandora. I started listening to the high-low at its very beginning, just before I had a massive breakdown. In the midst of said breakdown, I left London for my mum's at the seaside, where I spent a couple of months getting better. I was leaden with depression, full of grief and despair, finding every day excruciating to look at. And your voices were a real, constant, gentle comfort. At risk of sounding creepy, at a time where I was deliberately isolated, you became the easy, warm friend voices I'd lost in a very literal way, thanks to a chaotic few years of drinking, spiralling and neglecting precious friendships. I came back to London officially at the start of 2018 and started to rebuild my life. And I'm happy to say it's in a place I could only have dreamt of back then. Hearing this week's episode was to be the penultimate, I felt such a sense of an ending in the nicest way the closing of a little circle, and also a total nostalgic, sob-worthy sadness, realising how you've underscored these incredibly formulative four years of my life. Thank you. You were introduced to me by my husband, Mike, also a fellow Brit, or should I say Welshman, not to be confused with an Englishman, God forbid. Um, Mike spent the past few years in declining health due to advancing brain cancer. One thing he enjoyed above all others was listening to a good podcast. Mike's picks became legendary within our circle and his number one go-to was, drumroll, the high-low. I then became an addict, followed by my eldest daughter, Abby, who's 20. We preached the high-low gospel to family and friends alike. I thought we'd like to know that not only do you have a truly loyal following of adult women, but you appeal across gender, age and continents. Mike passed peacefully last Christmas and the months that have followed have been a test, especially with a pandemic thrown in the mix. And I'll never forget feeling pretty down one night earlier this year and so put on the latest high-low podcast to take me out of my own head. 
I have to tell you, it was the first time in months that I actually laughed out loud. It was a proper belly laugh that made me feel like me again. So good and normal just to giggle, laugh. Missing you already. Sending you love and luck on your next adventure. Sandy Green. A friend of mine said something recently about podcasts that I think is so true. I read the message to you, didn't I, Panda, that she said to me that often with podcasts, it's the place that you go, particularly rather than interview podcasts, but chatty podcasts between two friends. It's the place that you tune into when you want the reassurance and the comfort of friendship, but you don't want to have the responsibility of talking to a friend. So yeah, I get that. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I had this in hard times with, with fortunately when guys we fucked, it's like really I'm in a dark moment and what I want is to speak to someone, but speaking to someone and being vulnerable is just too difficult for me right Mm. now. So the way that I will engage in a conversation in which I don't, nothing's expected of me is tuning in and listening to these two people who love each other, speak to each other. And it's just, it's never really occurred to me that we might have been that to other people. I think these letters have just been so overwhelming because it's a reminder that we might have been that for other people, just like we've turned to our favourite podcasters. I felt like it was a bit ironic to be finding out that maybe when we were ending, but perhaps that's how it should always be. Yeah, I think that so. you should have to just carry on doing what you're doing without really knowing necessarily if you're doing the right thing. And then at the end... To find out that it might have been nice for some people is the treat that you get when you're finishing it. Um, still feel awful about not reading the room, though. <laughs> I know, I know. Panda, I think we should wrap up by talking about what we've learned from doing this podcast and what we've learned about each other. Oy vey. I know, big questions. The thing is, is the last four years have been such big ones for both of us that I don't know how much is down to the high low and how much is just through it being a busy four years for us both. But I would say that I feel like I have learned so much from our listeners and from the act of doing this podcast, I think it has, I think it's changed the way I see, I think it's opened me up to so many feelings and so many thoughts just just what we've been brought by the community that I don't even think we necessarily built I think our listeners built it Mm. themselves which is honestly the most incredible I don't really know how to put it into words because I never really once it was just there I know and we didn't we didn't do we've never really reflected hugely on it have we? Well, I don't think we really became aware of it until we did the tour last year, which was so incredible. But I, again, was, like Dolly says, so pregnant. So it was more just about, like, staying uh, conscious and mm. not giving birth on stage. Those were, like, our primary objectives for Ilo. <laughs> so... Do you remember I always wanted to dance on stage and you said to me, there's nothing more creepy than a pregnant woman dancing? <laughs> I wanted you to do all the things, but I just... <laughs> didn't think that I should do any of them <laughs> god that tour and we had like a fire alarm god people missed half that show in Dublin um it's nuts to think Sasha was with us that whole time my godson was with us that whole time it's kind of amazing I don't think you could have missed him Dolly <laughs> I remember seeing some pictures afterwards taken from the side and I was like <laughs> what do you think you've learned from the podcast what I've learned from the podcast is And for a while, I think I resented this lesson. And now I am so, so grateful for it. 
I have learned from this podcast that words really matter. Language really matters. It matters how you articulate yourself. It matters the thought, Mm -hmm. the thoughts that you choose. It's important to be economic with your thoughts. It's important to be precise and to be thoughtful and sensitive with with what you choose to vocalise. And and I think for a while, you know, initially when you and I first started having these conversations, it was just two really close friends, chat and breeze. (laughs) And then we realised the scope of our platform and we realise the potential impact of our words. And I think I've just learnt how good it is to be checking everything that you say. I think for a while there was a period where I felt self-conscious or I felt, as I said, like resentful or I felt like I was censoring myself. And I think you and I had a conversation recently, didn't we, where I said, I realised I now check what I say like five times before I say it. And I think that's really good. I think that's a really, really good thing that I've learnt from doing this podcast learning how important it is of how powerful words are that's what I've learned and that's what I'm really grateful for I definitely would like to think that I've become more thoughtful because of it I feel like we're doing a confession to the hot priest but where is he he's right next to you I knew you'd do that Mr Lover Lover (laughs) DJ CJ third glass of Clermont Slipping right down. Oh, my God. Panda, what have you learnt about me? (laughs) You're going to cry because you are most moved when you hear how much you've moved people. 100%. I have learnt that you are one of the first people I go to when I have something that's made me laugh. You are one of the first people I go to when I have something that makes me cry. You're one of the first people I go to for problem solving, which is strange because you don't necessarily love texts requesting problem solving. Love a good conversation about it, not necessarily the text, but still, (laughs) I will deliver those texts. I have learned that there are no boundaries to your imagination and your capacity to think and learn and love it's extraordinary there are no you don't have milestones you're one of the few people I know like there's no plotting you just you're just open to you're so porous to the world and it's the most magical thing about you and I think it means that you probably weep more than the average person yeah but I'm really holding it together right now god do you have fun old girl Can I do mine for you? <laughs> you can do mine. I'm a bit nervous. You have taught me about the power of honesty. I think I've never met someone who is so committed to... Oh, see, band, I'm crying about you, not about me. <laughs> You're so committed to aligning your actions to your beliefs. And I think that's, like, really rare in a person. Let me get it together. Pandora's just sitting there, looking like Olivia Coleman in The Crown. (laughs) You're so good at keeping it together. Why can't I keep it together? I look like when Prince Charles comes to talk to her and (laughs) I'm just feeling shy. I'm plucking at a loose thread. (laughs) Oh. But Can we talk, mummy? 
Not now. Um, you've, I feel like I've cornered the queen in your study. <laughs> that is what I feel like, and I'm asking for a divorce. Um, yeah, I've never met someone who's so committed to making sure that they believe in what they do. And I'm just so fake. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're not. But do you know what I mean? I think I'm, I've realised since meeting you how important it is to... How important it is to be able to sit with yourself and to be able to be to be able to sit with your decisions and to be able to be transparent about who you are and commit to things, commit to yourself and commit to the decisions that you make and just not ever feel like you're lying to anyone about who you are or what you feel about them. And it's quite a task, it's quite a big thing to live life like that and you do and I'm just so in admiration of it so sorry so I think that's what I've learned from you I've definitely learned how to be less of a people pleaser and more true to myself which ultimately serves people and respects people more So I'm very grateful for that. And you're also just a grafter. You work so hard. I'm so in admiration of your work ethic. And you are also the most loyal person I think I've ever met. You are, like, as I've said before, a hoofy old Labrador (laughs) on its last legs. You are. I don't ever hear you say a nasty word about anyone or or a... Even a dodgy word about someone that you care about. You're incredibly loyal. And it's been amazing to become such close friends over the last few years. But that's also exactly the kind of person that you want to be in business with as well. Well, I'm not going anywhere. I'm still going to come round and take the piss out of your slogan cushions. (laughs) Of which I am extremely sad over the last four years have declined in numbers. They have. I don't have any anymore. I'm so sorry. I've got one, actually. You're not who... I thought you were. I know. Would I have started the high low with you now? <laughs> but it's slightly less basic. Well, <laughs> we're both pretty basic, my darling. I think we should round off Charlie with our final medley. Welcome to episode 22 of The High Low, the weekly news and pop culture podcast brought to you by journalist Pandora Sykes and Dolly Alderton and our producer Charlie Jones, whose hair I'm liking at the moment, a bit fluffier. Anyway, what have you been doing this week, Dolly? (laughs) On to our most pressing subject of the week, which, thank God, Pandora has allowed me to project manage. And I, I appreciate that, I really do. It's like in The Apprentice, you allowed me to put my neck on the line. It's National Sandwich Week. So uh, there hasn't been uh, loads in the press on this, surprisingly. So I'm going to read straight from British Sandwich Week 2017's website, which is probably what they always wanted. So the amazing annual event is back and will be bigger and better than ever. Celebrate the ultimate food to go from Sunday the 14th to Saturday the 20th of May. British Sandwich Week is a week-long celebration of the greatest food to go and quite possibly the most iconic British culinary invention, the sandwich. God, I sort of forget that it's a British culinary invention. I don't know if I'd necessarily say it's the greatest 
food we've ever... You can't ever... say something like that, Pandora, okay. and then not give me... Well, to g- bring it then. What to do be, you think it is? Uh, to be fair, you didn't even know, because you've been underground doing your book, aside from secretly popping up on the Hilo's account and using it as if it's your own. Um, you wouldn't have known about the National Sandwich Week, I don't think, unless I went, Happy National Sandwich Week, on, on the Maybe Twitter. Not. and then not. And then gave you a little call and said, do you want to handle this one? Do you want to go big? So we conducted... And my response was, God, I love you. <laughs> we conducted a sandwich poll yesterday on the high low's twitter account my god i mean i knew it was my first big, but i didn't know you'd go five strand to the poll it big. was my first ever twitter poll had you done one before they're quite cool aren't they? god they're fun yeah so i gave five sets of polls <laughs> asking people what their favorite sandwiches were did you want people to answer all five because i got a bit confused and i just answered one but i told you let the sandwich choose you because if there were more than one poll that really spoke to you, then you should have voted in both, Pandora. And if I didn't make that clear, then I regret it deeply. So the, the categories were kind of hilarious. She started quite gentle, although there were, it would be like ham and mustard, mate, or uh, crisps and only crisps, um, fish fingers, human fingers. 1% voted that. Sadness. Sadness in a sandwich. Sadness. So many people voted for a sadness sandwich, like 26%. That's not sand, by the way, that's sadness. I think my most surprising was how many people liked roasted veg and pesto. I thought as a veggie you'd be quite all over that. I know, but it's quite a niche sandwich. We live in the age of the artisanal widge. And I hoped to be furiously colouring in my mindful colouring book when I asked you that question, but uh, CJ's banned me. He's banned me from mindful colouring on air. I know. You've, you've gone a bit dictatory, actually, CJ, I have to say. You're not, you used to be much more chill. Dolly, that's but so Now unfair. it's very, do this, don't do that. Closer to the mic, less close to the mic, no colouring in. I mean, yeah, put away your pencils. What's going on? Just silence. CJ's, CJ's lost his voice. How interesting. There is a new cream for your bottom called Bum Bum Cream. <laughs> it contains caffeine and it claims to... T- <laughs> Come on, Dolly. It claims to tighten your ass. <laughs> Not whole. <laughs> for £44 from Selfridges. You on bums is like me on Rod Stewart. I love talking about bums. You know in Brazil that they are so obsessed with bums that they have two annual bum pageants called Miss Bum Bum and Miss Butt. Would you enter it? Well, um, I think you'd do rather well. God, you really are at your best when you're talking about bums. <laughs> anyway, talk to me about rear of the year. You love that. Obsessed with the rear of the year. How many obsessed do you think we've had in this podcast? You're so mainly far? obsessed. You know, I pitched a story about our use of the word obsessed in modern lexicon. Were they obsessed with it? And I used you as my case study. <laughs> is anyone else obsessed with voice notes? I think, God, there's a piece in this. There is. I've there already is thought about voice it. Voice notes. It's because we're so lazy. It's because we're so lazy. I just can't be bothered to do anymore. You are next level obsessed and you split them up as well. I think you're so worried that I'll tune out. I do. Two I minute do mark worry that. That you, that you do a topic per note. <laughs> but I, the other night I had... Should we make a mixtape of them? I'll let Charlie have a little play around with some of the notes that I sent Pandora. And I, the, the wheels were pretty well oiled. <laughs> On Dolly's part, may I add. I'd had a bit of a stressful afternoon and uh, I'd hit the wine while I was um, writing a piece, which turned out fine. (laughs) So uh, for a bit of fun, we thought we'd include that here. That's the sound of me pouring more wine. 
all the sound effects tonight. I'm a shit journalist anyway, so who fucking cares? It's not... It's not gonna... What's the word I'm looking for? Not negotiate. Substantiate. Whatever. My journalistic integrity. Oh, I wish you were here, Pandy. I have a glass of wine. And I have a whole bottle waiting for you. And, uh... I love you. Really much. If anyone has anything interesting to say about voice notes, please do let us know, because they are definitely... They're, they're the, new, the new zeitgeist, aren't they? They're happening. They're happening. Yeah. Have I told you about Francesco? No. It's just something that's been haunting me for many years, and I finally resolved it this week. So I moved into this flat well over three years ago, and something that I noticed, it began about three times a week when I first moved in, that at around dusk, I would hear this haunting voice, almost like chanting the name Francesco. And I've taken the liberty of sending a few of my recordings from over the years to Charlie over the weekend to string together for you to listen to. Very spooky. It's literally, it sounds like monks. It's like this. Fran- Francesco. I can't believe you got CJ to stitch them together for me. I know. Pandora, I've been obsessed for years. I've been obsessed. So I got kind of spooked by it the first like couple of weeks. I was like, what is that sound? So anytime he started doing that noise, whoever it was, I would hang out of my window to try and, <laughs> to try and see where it was coming from. And I couldn't see anyone. And then it got to a point where any time I would hear Francesco or this sort of church bell, I would go up to my roof of my building and look around. And at one point I was like, who are you? Like, who is Francesco? And he didn't reply. And this goes on for years. And I'm complaining a lot about it. And my friend's like, well, how come every time we're at your flat, we never hear it? So then they were like, start recording it every time it happens it starts happening more and more frequently start recording it and i identify that the where the noise seems to be coming from is the canal so my flat is backs onto the canal now i'm freaking out when i find that out because i'm like this feels like a ghost so i'm like googling francesco like if anyone died in the canal in victorian times called francesco it just feels like this sort of underworld noise and it reverberates everywhere and then I say to my neighbor do you hear this Francesco and he's like no never heard it and he's lived here for like 25 years so then my friends are like oh it's like it's a ghost that's just speaking to you then some fucking weird stuff happens like they made a joke that it sounds like a sort of gondola <laughs> I was just thinking that a gondola yeah, yeah that's exactly like what a, I was thinking a gondolier ghost and then I went on holiday to Greece last year. We arrive at the Airbnb and there's a gondola uniform in the hallway of the Airbnb. Because, mm. and I go, why is it she? And I'm like, Francesco is following me. Mm. Anyway, last week, I start hearing it louder than I've ever heard it before. I hang out of my window and I see a little black and white cat going along the fence and the voice going, oh, goodbye, Francesco. You've come back home. <laughs> so the mystery is solved. 
very important with your Christmas obligations that you try and show your face, I think, when friends have gone to an effort. This is because Pandora is, like, loyal as a huffy old... Pandora is Catholic and duty-bound. No, you are as loyal as a shaky-legged, wheezy little old Labrador. (laughs) You're the most loyal person. There's no way I would have gone to... She went to three parties on Saturday. I went to two. But they were all different. They were, I did. I spent more time in Ollie, Ollie and I because I, I, Ollie was with me. We spent more time in Ubers than at the parties, which was hilarious. It was useful though because it meant even though we got back at two a.m., I was still sober. I hadn't had any time to get drunk. Can I just say, you never have to be that loyal to me. I never ever want you spending two hours in an Uber on a Saturday night just to show your face at one of my shit parties. You say that, but if I suddenly stopped doing it, you might miss it. Do you know what you, you did might do? miss my shaky little legs? Do you and know- my- Wheezing in. <laughs> a vet in Hitchin, dressed up as a giant mouse, doing salmon, a nervous rescue dog. <laughs> Rupert the Dalmatian needed specialist orthopaedics. <laughs> Rupert the Dalmatian needed specialist orthopaedic surgery at Davis Veterinary Specialists. <laughs> but... <laughs> growled when the vet tried to touch him. To calm his nerves, vet Mike Farrell donned a mouse onesie sent by his owner to comfort him. I was really worried about him going into hospital and thought he might benefit from having the scent and sense of me with him, his owner Ms Schiff said. I thought the mouse romper suit, which I often wear at home to relax... (laughs) to relax in would make a reassuring bed for him in the kennels. Mr Farrell said the veterinary surgery did not usually allow bedding from home, but in this case they thought it had potential to help Rupert a lot. However, when the dog growled at him when he was wearing his normal clothes, he decided to go a step further and put on the giant mouse outfit. Rupert is now recovering from surgery. (laughs) I think that's a lovely story, actually. Well, on that note, I've sweated into my polyester put on a very special 80s tartan blouse vintage puff sleeved for dolly but my god the materials in the 80s were quite something so it's a very sweaty thank you from me and a reminder to please Please. book your tickets to our christmas show if you haven't and if you might be free on tuesday december the 8th 7 p.m vimeo not zoom vimeo tickets start at just 10 pounds All proceeds go to blood cancer. It's been such a long day that I can't actually remember the link right now, but it's in everything, anywhere, ever. (laughs) So please come. A massive thank you as well. It's not really dawning on me yet, I don't think, that we won't be doing this every week, but it has been career-changing, life-changing, everything-changing. Thank you so much for letting us enter your ears Sometimes creepily, sometimes not, <laughs> for the last four years. We will miss you more than you can ever know. And we will do our best to continue to pay it forward with our book recommendations and our podcast recommendations. And I feel like I should break into song here. What would Somewhere you sing? we shall meet again. Mash up of about five different songs there. I think all that is left to say is to our darling listeners, it has been an absolute privilege to speak to you for the last four years and to the girls sitting opposite me. It has been an absolute joy to be in conversation with you for the last four years. 
and I look forward to being in conversation with you until the end of time, whether the mic is on or off. Thank you for listening to the Hilo. Goodbye. Thank you so much. Goodbye. Goodbye.